Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, and we chose this one. This is episode 61, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift Lap 5. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode is brought to you by Team O'Neill Rally School. Are you looking to get involved with drifting? The Team O'Neill Drift Ooh. Driving Course can introduce... Oh, say that three times fast. Can introduce you to the sport or help you progress your skills. They offer different levels of instructions that cater to everyone from beginners to intermediate drivers. Is this school in New Hampshire? Did you just Google it? I sure did, because I wanted to make sure I spelled O'Neill right. Nah, spoiler, spelled it wrong, but I fixed it. Yes, it is in New Hampshire. Very, very Dalton, cool. New Hampshire. Yeah, it's kind of close to us a little bit, I guess, right? Is this something that you would want to do? I know that they obviously reached out, but I mean, hypothetically, if they had not reached out, is this something that you would ever be interested in? Like, is this something that you would want to spend money on and do? I think so. I've driven a car sideways on gravel before, but like, I've never like tried to actually drift a car and I think it would be like a fun thing to like eh, this would be a fun to spend a day trying to do right instead of going bowling you go like drift racing right like that would be like a cool like bros afternoon I'd probably like to drink and do it but that's probably not the safest thing to do right probably not I think you can like drink if you go go karting at some places like one beer or something this is an activity that I would like like the really redneck unregistered version of you know, where you'd be like, like you're in a flat field. They're like, hey, we're going to teach you how to drift. But you just like take a 30 with you and you just like go and get nice and toasty to go do it. Yeah, I feel like it's the kind of thing that, yeah, you do off the record, off the books, essentially. Yeah, I would like to do it off the books. But I think that like if you had like a real instructor that like knew how to drift and stuff like that, it would be helpful, right? Oh, yeah. So. You just need someone who is cool with, uh, I guess, teaching a drunken asshole buffoon. No, like, I don't want to get, like, wasted. I just want to be, like, buzzed enough that we're, like, it will be, like, a fun activity. Like, I see it more of, like, a sport kind of thing. Like, if you're allowed to drink and throw axes... Like, shouldn't you be allowed to, like, drink and, like, try to drift on, like, whatever course they have, right? I guess it depends but on I, their insurance, really, right? They even have insurance, right? Like, <laughs> Well, tonight we are going to be joined after the break by Miss Caragala Regan once again to complete mm-hmm. the driving, or to continue the driving school lap. We, this is the one that we are now, we have now sort of caught up chronologically, sort of, kind of, right? Because we are now yes. back to Tokyo Drift. Kara finally saw what happens to Han. Uh, she knew what happened to Han, but she found out what happened to Han. And she also watched the credit scene in theory. I don't think we've talked about to her over a Facebook Messenger. No. What she thinks of the reveal of who's going to be in, uh, who the bad guy is, who the real Shaw in Hobbs and Shaw is. I would imagine, I guess we'll ask her, but I would imagine she knows probably Jason Statham is connected because I feel like... I think she mentioned him before. Probably. She like, mentioned that he's in it, you know, like she knows that he exists in this world somewhere. Because I think like unless you really willingly, willfully shut yourself out of marketing. You'd, you'd at least know Hobbs you and Shaw and yeah, yeah, Jason yeah. Statham. You would see a, yeah. a trailer or a commercial, not even like watch a show, but just, you'd see it around or you'd see a commercial or a billboard or mm-hmm. just, you know, our art somewhere, you know what I mean? So, But before we get there, we've got to do our normal fun top of the show festivities, Joe. Extracurricular activities. I think you had a quiet do-nothing-home-at-home weekend, but did you do anything notable since we recorded Into the Blue last Tuesday, since we took a trip down to the Bahamas with Jessica Alba and Paul Walker to see the Brian O'Connor mini-movie? No, I actually did nothing. I've just been having a chill uh, sports-watching weekend, 
Zach came over to watch football games, so we watched the Niners game, which was ha- happened to be a one. That's a very good game. Yeah, it was a really good game. So we watched that one. That was fun. Um, that was, you know, the wacky score one. And then we watched the Steelers game. Both of our teams won. We were both very excited. Then I actually kind of went to bed early. Like, he, he left before the late game, and Rachel and I watched a little bit of the late game and went to bed. So, no, I haven't been doing anything. I was, like, trying to chill out. I have a busy weekend this weekend. I'll have stuff to report back next time. Oh, so do I. I have things going on. I mean, I don't think we're going to actually get in the, be in the same place, but I have a pretty big weekend myself. Actually, not a pretty I big know. weekend. A land, and that's not even a landmark. My birthday's on Sunday, so as <laughs> as this comes out, uh, I am now 32 and two days old. So oh, whoa, I know, right? Like that's that that pivotal 32nd so birthday. He's 33. Wow. I mean, 33 is the Jesus year, right? Is 32 32 means nothing, right? Like 30, 31, that's, 32. That was a joke. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. I know, it but like it doesn't nothing. mean it doesn't mean anything, right? Absolutely not. Because 30 is a big one. 33 is the Jesus year, but 31, 32, 35, I could run for president. Yeah, that's true. But 31, 32, 34, I don't think mean anything. No, just another day of the... I mean, well, not another day of the year, but from my perspective, from my birthday, just another day of the year. Okay, so I've seen four movies in theaters since cool. we last spoke. So the four movies I saw, number one, Honey Boy. Talked about it briefly last the episode before movie, I saw right? it. Yes, incredible. Okay, but it's just getting snubbed or something? Yeah, I don't. so I don't understand. Like, it's an Amazon movie. I don't know if it's going to be on Amazon soon. I feel like movie releases are just... Fucked. Like, I think part of my problem is that since MoviePass died and I've gone over to AMC A-List, I only yes. really check AMCs. And AMCs, like the one by me, has a bunch of screens, but it doesn't always have indie things. And there's an AMC that I sometimes go to that I usually meet a friend of the show, Melissa Lineham and her boyfriend at. Mm-hmm. We go up there and that has more indies, but I don't always check that because I don't think of it. I'm not as in touch with like other How far theaters. away is the further one? 35 minutes. Yeah, so that's a bit of a drive to, it's not crazy, but it's a bit of a drive. Because the one that I go to normally is like 25-ish, but it also has an IMAX and a Dolby. The one that I meet Melissa and Casey at, they only have regular screens. So like I would that's just go up far, there dude. for like a normal. Mine's like my like first further one that has the IMAX, because I do Cinemark, because that's what we have, is like 1520, and like the one that's near me is like five or seven. Well, yeah, there's one at the mall, too, which is like a dine-in theater, which I kind of hate, because they're not good. I think I've talked about, oh, it's the one where I saw Hobbs and Shaw, where the people were were fucking maybe in the theater. But that, I think I've gotten from, when I got in my car from the theater, I got to my door in like three and a half minutes. Like, it's... Oh, it's that right close. there. Okay. I don't love seeing movies there. It's just like that's a kind of a convenient. Like if I'm just like, oh, it's nine o'clock. I kind of want to see this movie. I'm just going to run out or whatever. That yeah. works there. So anyway, I feel like I'm out of touch in terms of indie indie movies. So Honey Boy might have been around for a little bit longer than I thought, but I didn't realize. But there's a movie okay. that I did not see because it never came to an AMC called Lucy in the Sky, which was that Natalie Portman is an astronaut movie, which I wanted to see. But I don't. Interesting. It just never came to an AMC, and I was just like, "Huh, all right, okay." I guess I'm just not yeah. seeing that movie until it's on, you know, Blu-ray or whatever. The TLDR, Honey Boy, was great. I talked to Mike about this because Mike and I did a Child Above podcast. We did hashtag all his movies in the one-year anniversary of all my movies at art installation. Mm-hmm. That's Shia. Actually, I saw a movie on Saturday at the theater that Shia did that at the Angelica in New York. Oh, really? So yeah, That's so cool. the three his three-day marathon. If you don't know what it is. I think in 2015, so four years ago, Shia sat down for like 70 hours and watched all of his movies, like 30 or 31 movies, from new to old. So he sort of saw himself go backwards in time. And he just like sat there and he slept there and they just had a camera on yep. him and there was like people in the theater. It was a really cool thing. And there was actually. no audio, but you could watch him, you could watch other people watching the movie and it was very, very cool. And so a year yeah. after that came out, Mike and I put out a podcast a day for 30, 31 days. Like we started recording a while in advance. 
it was exhausting, but it was super cool. And I think Shia is a fascinating, exceptional actor, and I love him. Yeah, I like Shia, too. But Honey Boy is crazy, because there's basically three Shias. There's Shia himself, who's playing his dad, which is crazy. Lucas Hedges, who is the son from Manchester by the Sea. Okay. He's playing Shia circa rehab breakdown four or five years ago-ish. Okay. And then there is a kid who I think is just a kid who's in, like, everything. His name is Noah Jupe. He's, like, one of the new, like, just a kid who's, like, a good kid actor who's in a bunch of things. Uh, he plays Shia circa 95, like, uh, even Steven's time. And so okay. there's essentially these two kids who are playing Shia, or, like, the kid playing Shia and Lucas Hedges playing Shia, which are both crazy, like, accurate and feel like, feel like Shia, and then there's Shia as his dad. So it's just, like, this weird meta insanity yeah. even if you don't haven't seen all of them like you know how he talks and acts and moves mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just it's such a it's such a head trip to see that movie i think it's also fascinating like shia wrote it and i think everything about it is just who boy so that is great then on saturday i saw portrait of a lady on fire which is the movie i saw in new york this is already i think gone from theaters because it was a specific thing it's been out for one week that's all they were doing and it's going to come back out on feb in february like valentine's day weekend interesting uh, I okay. think this is probably just for maybe awards consideration. The reason I went to New York to see this is because my favorite film critic, who I've mentioned on here a bunch, David Ehrlich, who mm-hmm. puts out he who just put out his top twenty-five movies of the year. This was his number yeah, he one. Yeah, to me. And he mm-hmm. kind of like heavily choreographed, telegraphed that this was going to be his number one. Okay. It was the only movie all year he gave five stars to, and so okay. I was like, oh. And so I saw it and I loved it and it was great, but it's not going to be like you literally cannot see it until February. Keep an eye out for that if you love slow French lesbian dramas. Sounds right up my alley. Totally up your alley. It's a beautiful movie. The music in it is incredible. Uh, that's all I will say. Also, period. Like, it's in the 1800s or something, so also... Oh, you know, even great. Yeah, right? that's super up my alley. Yep. And then the other two movies that I saw in theaters, I saw Waves, which I thought I was going to love. You know Waves? Waves is the A24. It feels like Assassination Nation Euphoria. Like, there's all this, like, you know, crazy music up front. There's all this energy. Mm-hmm. And then it quickly becomes a movie that I wasn't into, and then there's a hard pivot, and it becomes a different movie again. So it kind of feels like a podcast, like a movie that you and I have talked about, The Gods Beyond the Pines. Oh, cool. Yeah, like three tonal shifts. Yes. Like complete tonal shifts. But like that movie, I really, really like almost all of this didn't work for me. And I was really excited for it, and it's kind of a bummer. We love A24, too. I'm a big A24 fan. I'll see anything by them. It's a very divisive film, as I was looking up the reviews, because it's written and directed by a white guy, and it's predominantly a black story. And he's he's called it autobiographical, and I'm like, hmm, that's... mm." <laughs> like I get it, and also it could be yeah. autobiographical about a white character because Lucas Hedges, Honey Boy from Honey Boy, is in that movie too in the in the back half mostly. But I was like, I don't know, like, this is weird. I then saw Dark Waters, which is the Dupont, you know, Mark Ruffalo who plays Hulk, just going after yeah. Dupont for poisoning water and stuff. And that's like it just scratched. It's like he's a lawyer, but it scratches that like journalism itch. You know what I mean? Where I'm just I, like, it's the new spotlight, yep, the new investigative, whatever, whatever, whatever. you know, him yep. writing a wrong. All right, well, we have a Patreon page here on the show. I'd patreon.com slash too fast too forever. The Fast and Furious toys are on their way, and I will take a picture of them when they arrive tomorrow. So you'll see them. You've probably already seen them. Yes. We drift you, Merry Christmas. If you buy toys for Tots, if you buy Fast and Furious toys, and like the toys you bought, I kind of want myself, but I'm not going to. Right? <laughs> you bought a Suki car? Yeah, I bought, I don't don't spoil it, but I have like, I I, I think I picked a nice set. Well, I, can't, I literally can't spoil it because you're going to post a picture already before out. this comes out. Yeah, so like I got like a bunch of like die cats, I got a remote control car, I got some mini ones, but like, you know, just a nice little spread of Fast and Furious toys. Hopefully it grows and next year we can add, add more to it. And I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm really excited excited to get them tomorrow because I want to see them, but it's going to be really hard not to try to play with them. I bought you the Matchbox cars last year. Did you open those or are those still in the package? No! 
They're saved. Could play with those if you want. Taking a matchbox out of the match, like, the whole cool part of the matchbox is, like, the background of the matchbox. Yeah, that's like, true. once you take it out, it'd be like, well, what the fuck do I have this for? Those are nicely preserved. Perfect. They're okay. But shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, and Alex Ellenin for supporting us over on Patreon.com. Thank you all so very much. We are closing in four of you at the $10 tier. If you want to pick a movie for next lap, let us know sooner rather than later. We don't need to know if you want to do lap seven, that's fine. We don't need to know yet. But if you want to do lap six, which I think at least one of you will probably want to do, I think that's more, it's more of a wide open choice, I think. Yeah, it is. It's, it's less rigid. Let us know sooner rather than later so that we can plan that and sort of plan the rest of the lap around that because we got other ideas, but you have first preference. Like before we schedule anything, yeah. you guys Amen. get your pick. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what I'm talking about, $10 a month over on Patreon, you get to pick any movie, any TV show, any kind of activity you want us to do, any kind of extracurricular activity mm. that you want us to do, talk about for an episode uh, once a year. So next year, Ben, Jake, Nick, and Alex are all going to get to pick one movie or one show or one whatever that we're going to yep. talk about. And so if you want to do lap six, we've still got a you know, bunch more episodes this this lap, but we're sort of coming up kind of quickly. To the end of the year. Toward the end yeah. of the year, the end of the lap. The and so lap. get us your picks. You literally earned the right. You pay, You bought your way in. <laughs> Make sure you take yeah. advantage of it. Bam, only at cageclub.me. Also, if you want other perks, other whatever, TooFast2Forever.com, poke around over there. We also would love to have, if you don't want to give us money, especially, like, I know, you and I both know, it's a time of the year where, like, every, like, there's parties all the time, there's gifts you gotta buy, like, oh, just, God, yeah. there's not extra money, so if you don't have extra money to give us, which I totally understand and totally respect, if you want to give us the kindness of a free gift, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, no new reviews, no new ratings, all five stars, though, such wonderful reviews, but give us the gift that keeps on giving. Give us a Apple Podcast review. Thank you. Joe, email bag, five emails. Okay. And I don't want to, you know, bias for or against any listeners, but these are all old-time, long-time caller, long-time listener, writers in. Okay. First up, Justin Kleiman, subject line, cars and snacks. Ooh, okay. For me... When it comes to vending machine snacks, my go-to is the duplex cookie packs. You can't beat the value. You get like 12 cookies for under $2, way better value than any cookie or any candy bar. Let's see the duplex cookie. I don't know what he's talking duplex about. Duplex cookie know? packs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I know what these are. They're like the like chocolate on one side, vanilla on the other, cream in the middle. Okay. I know what these are. Are these around? Like, I, I've def- I know I'm familiar with these, but I feel like I don't see these that often. I don't see these that often in vending machines either. Like, I see them in grocery stores it. when there's like the store yeah. brand cookies and stuff like that. Like, you can get those. Is duplex a I guess it's a brand. No, it's it's not. It it seems to be that like there's many brands. Then they and duplex is the idea that you get one vanilla wafer, oh. one chocolate wafer. Okay. Yes. So the, it's I see a bunch of different brands of them. Okay, because yeah, Target has the vanilla and chocolate where you get like the four twenty four ounce for a dollar fifty. Yeah. Okay. So duplex is like like a chocolate chip cookie or whatever, but it's just a duplex. Yep. Yeah. I gotta keep an eye out for you know when I go to a grocery store. I gotta or go to a gas station. I gotta see if the duplex. You know what? Now I'm like kind of jonesing for some of these. Right. They brought them up. Okay. But yeah. yeah. Just and for sure, we will load up the uh, the vending machine with duplex cookies. So nothing but time and nothing but space in the vending machine. But we're gonna make them really expensive for you, so it's not a good value. Twelve cookies for two fifty, so it's gonna be way above market <laughs> price. We gotta make money. We gotta make money somehow. We gotta make money. Yeah. Next, good. 
since you said you're out of car picks, I bring you my latest purchase. Ooh. So this, nice. we're going to save this. I don't remember save if we have any others, but Justin, we will come back to that. There's a bunch more text in here, but I think it's all describing the car, so I'll tell the story later. Justin's one that we said we're going to do next time. We got one from West tonight, I think. Yeah, I think that Wes sent us one in because we had just caught up afterwards or something. Yeah, he sent one in like two weeks ago, so I think we've got two. I just if I if you're out there and you're listening and you sent one in that we have not done, family at me, let me know. I just mentioned his name. The next two emails though, from Wes Hampton. Yes. Justin will write again later, so we will talk more about Justin in a little bit. These next two emails from Wes are kind of a part one, part two. Fury seven okay. part one, Fury Seven Part Two. Okay. What up, fam? What up, Wes? I know you've already recorded the intro for Into the Blue, so this will be a short email just about the Fast and Furious 6 episode. I was sad to hear that Kara hasn't really come around to the rock yet, but that's fine. True. Yeah, same. Differing opinions are the spice of life, right? I take it as an overall win that she's enjoying the movies as much as she seems to be. Here are my new episode observations. That's what we were saying, that I would love for Kara to like these characters more than she does, but the fact that she likes the movies, and also... It's fine by me, yeah. What she told us this week via Facebook... That she wants to do another lap with us, which, I mean, eventually, sure, why not? Where she does not in order, that's a very good sign, I think. That's a really good sign. So that means she, like, already is thinking about watching them again, and that's, like, way more than we could ever even imagine. Yeah. For me, at least, so. Because at some point, you know, in theory, lap seven will be the same people every time. I think we talked about Nico and Kevo. I got someone in mind for lap nine would all be the same. I don't think she's ever seen any of the movies. But at some point, we're going to do this with somebody or some people or whatever where they don't like the movies. And either it's going to break bad in a horrible way yes. or it's going to be like a, a fun time that they like just hate on them in, like a, in a hopefully a positive way if they do. Or if somebody rage quits the franchise. Who knows? Things could go yeah. any way. But I think aside <laughs> from Kara not liking Brian and Hobbs, this is best case scenario. Yes, I agree. All right. I'm very thankful that she likes him as much as she does. Wes continues, I'm honestly a little shocked that Joey hasn't seen snakes on a plane. It seems like something Same. he would see, if nothing else, out of curiosity. So it came out like 2005, 2006-ish, I think, right? Yeah. That about right. stretch of my life, my college years, 06 to 2010, like I watched, that's when I started watching a ton of movies, but that's when I started watching like the classic movies. Film. 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 Yes. It yes. wasn't until I got out of college, basically 2013, like a couple years out of college, that I started watching like a, like basically every new release. Like when Movie Pass came out, I was like, oh, I'm just going to see everything. So yep. if Snakes on the Plane had come out then, I would have seen it. But there's like a period of the mid to late 2000s where like if it's not, you know, like an award nominated film, probably, I probably haven't seen it. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense, but it also makes sense. You know what I mean? So I get it. Yeah. No, I, I understand. Wes says it's not a great movie by any stretch, but it's fun nope. and silly and knows exactly what it is. We went to the I midnight agree. premiere at the old South Lamar draft house and met, Qu- met Quentin Tarantino there. Whoa. Fuck. They were also selling a limited run Samuel Jackson badass ale that was made specifically for Alamo. So we bought a bucket and still have two unopened ones on our bar. Whoa. Oh, even cooler. Damn. Wow. This story took a wacky turn. Since I know Joe is a beer guy, I just Googled it. I found an untapped entry, but it's not the same thing. Someone just uploaded a picture of the draft house labeled to their homebrew. I found a real uh, picture of the thing online, but no other real info on it. We use Untap too. Oh, I see it. It looks like, uh, it's like, it looks Sam, like Adams. Sam Adams. But yeah, but yeah. Sam Jackson with like a sort of like a Jerry Curl old timey, like a 1700s Jerry Curl and says, motherfucker, now that's a tasty beverage. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm a little bit in both camps on the binge watching versus staggered release debate. We we're talking about whether yeah. you know, watch it all at once or watch an episode per week. I was just having mm-hmm. this conversation with a friend last week. I love binge watching when I have the time, which is rare, because like Joe, I forget things week to week, and I feel like watching episodes all at once maximizes what I get out of what's on screen. 
I agree. That's yeah. That's my whole argument for it. That's why we rewatch things a lot, like all of Breaking Bad before El Camino came out. But I do mm-hmm. miss week to week discussions where you have time to digest and discuss. I think the show that made me maybe absolute best use of this was Lost. To be clear, I'm still a fan of that show. But if they had released entire seasons at once, I don't know if it w- ever would have made it past season three. The anticipation mm. kept it going, and I think a weekly release has also helped The Mandalorian. Not that it really needs help because we get all those great Baby Yoda memes. Speaking of The Mandalorian, have you watched the newest episode 4? There's a familiar face guest starring. I think they did pretty good. I'd be interested in seeing more of their character. Have you watched any of The Mandalorian show or no? No. I'm mildly boycotting all the new Star Warses because I don't like how many come out. I'm so glad that you're you're taking a stand against, uh, just to really show Disney what's what. (laughs) I mean, Adam and Matt love it so much, and they obviously want to go see it, like, the night it comes out and stuff, and even, like, Zach's like, yeah, I want to see them. Um, in that part, I'm just like, I-, I just don't care. And so, like, they're all stoked on The Mandalorian right now. And I have this other friend that's in my fantasy hockey group, and he's always at the fucking Star Wars world in Florida. And I'm just like, I'm, st- I'm Star Wars out by association. I get it. I live in a space where I, I didn't really grow up on Star Wars, and I- I've seen the original movies a handful of times. But I yeah. don't like Return of the Jedi. I don't really have much of an affinity toward 4 or 5. My favorite one is Last Jedi. Like, I don't feel like I fit in that mold. And so I watch them just because they're new movies that are big movies that mm-hmm. I already talk about. Pleasantly surprised by most of it. But The Mandalorian, yeah, cool. I think it's a three-episode three character, three arc. I haven't seen this past episode. And there will be another episode. Between the time that we record this and it comes out, there will be two. Gina Carano, a.k.a. Fake Ronda Rousey, is yes. in a three-episode, I think, arc. And so she Ooh. is. She shows up, and she and the Mandalorian fight a bunch. They sort of defend a town against some uh, attackers. So she's pretty good. Cool. She's you know exactly the same kind of role, like military, just kicking ass, being you know taking names. You know, awesome. I think it's a good a good fit. Nice, yeah, that's really cool, and that's that's like a great Fast and Furious adjacent character to uh, add to the Mandalorian. Joe, I feel you on wondering why no one was talking about Dom having another kid when they revealed that she would be in the Spy Racer show. I reread the line like three <laughs> times in the article before I realized it was Vin's daughter, not Dom's. They're essentially the Thank same you. person in my mind. I agree. Yep. I'm going to say you. you guys are both dumb. <laughs> no. And no, it's just like wording. Like use use the right wording and give me context so I don't confuse them. But also Vin Diesel and Dom are the same person in my head, so I like Kara's take on the racing her memories back into her scene. I hadn't really thought of it that way because we're privileged to Dom's intentions, their whole history. Yes. But it would be such a mind fuck to not know your past and then meet someone who clearly knows so much about you. Mrs. West yeah. has a friend of a friend whose husband got into a skiing accident in Europe and lost all his memories from the previous two years. Jesus Christ. Shit. On top of that, he also couldn't really make new memories, so he kept forgetting everything over and over. Jesus. Wow. So he remembered his wife and his family, but he forgot that his wife was pregnant, and apparently while he was still in the hospital, they'd be having a conversation. He would look down and suddenly realize that she was pregnant and get really emotional and excited, and this happened repeatedly. Well, at least he wasn't, like, really sad about it, right? No, (laughs) I mean, but, like, can you imagine if the the reverse is true? Like, if his wife had died, and, like, he just had to be reminded of that all the time? Ugh. Right? Yeah, let's not. Let's not think of that, but sure. Eventually, though, here's the happy end of the story. He made a full recovery and got all his memories back. That'll be such a wild experience to have to deal with. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Sometimes I want to, like, men in black myself because I hate what happens in my brain. But at the same time, like, I don't know how to deal with, like, missing two years of my life in my brain. I'd be like, what the fuck happened? just need Rachel to say, this is how you got this scar. You were drunk and you fell down. This is how you got this scar. You were drunk and you (laughs) fell down. 
This is how you got the scar. You were drunk and you fell down. You'd be like, you oh, know how your right. foot hurts? You were drunk and you fell down. Yeah. Joey, I'm with you on the combos, but pizza flavor is too spicy for me. Jesus Christ, Wes, your food takes. I can't White? handle not White temperature people. spicy, just too many strong flavors at once. Do you know, like, I'm, we need to send Wes more of those memes that are like, that are like white people, like, Coke is so spicy, you know, like, mayonnaise is my favorite spice, or like, all of these things. <sighs> also, I don't like the pretzel combos, even though that's all I can seem to find anymore. My go-to are the cheese and cracker combos, classic and not overpowering. Cool, really venturing out there in the, in the <laughs> wild there, Wes. <laughs> Soiling green over here. I really only eat them on road trips, though. As you know, I'm not really a food person. Yes, we know. But there are we two know. things that I'll eat until I give myself upset stomach because I have no self-control. Number one, Reese's Pieces. Oh, that's a good one. I love them so I like, much. I like regular Reese's a little bit better, but I, I respect the Reese's Pieces. I love them so much. Stick them in the freezer for a bit so they're nice and cold. Even better. Ooh. Number two, grapes. Grapes. I prefer red-purple, but any kind will do. We once did a competition where we had two teams. Each team had a line of people with a cup of green grapes each and one person, like 10 feet away, and the people with the grapes would try to toss them in the other person's mouth. I was yeah. a catcher for our team, and I caught like 30-something grapes. Damn! It was okay. so delicious, and I felt so bad afterwards. The only team got like three. Don't feel bad. You just, you won. Yeah, that's, you're just a superior grape catcher. I agree with you guys that as a fan, watching Tokyo Drift after six is a lot of fun. When we went to the marathon before Fate came out, we took a vote in the theater on which order to watch them in. We decided to do it this way. I was unsure mm. at first, but it really gives you a nice, low-stakes breather between two very big movies. We'll talk about it later, but I definitely felt that through this watch. And now I'm going to continue into the second email of Wes's. Okay. So it's just finished the Into the Blue episode. What an interesting movie that was. It was very pretty, but Bryce and Amanda drove me crazy. That was oh, the Scott Con and the other one. Yeah. Basically just wanted just 90 minutes of Paul Walker and Jessica Alba swimming around and finding treasure. No conflict, no stress, just beautiful underwater scenes. Basically, if they could have made this into an animated screensaver, that would have been just fine with me. <laughs> but here are my new episode observations. That's all I want, too. Like, just beautiful people being beautiful, done and done. Yeah, like, what if it was, like, planet Earth, but the planet Earth was Jessica Alba and Paul Walker, like, swimming? It's bliss. Yeah. Perfect. I had a whole point about Record Store Day and how it's kind of flipped in recent years, but it was meandering, shocking, and pointless. No way. Basically, <laughs> Black Friday is like Record Store Day light. The real Record Store Day is mid-April, but a lot of places yes, still April do 20th. special releases for Black Friday. A lot of years, it's on the weekend around 420. Mm, and yeah, it yeah, yeah. falls on 420 a lot of the time. That's right. Yeah, Record Store Day. Yeah, you're, he's right. I was trying to look for tickets for Honey Boy this weekend because Alamo's been pushing it so hard for months. Can't find a single showing in a draft house anywhere near me. Weird. So it fell out there, too. Yep. If, if it's not in Austin, I mean, it's still in New York, I think. There's stuff, I mean, New York is New York, but. Yeah. I just found a month-old Reddit thread about it, and it doesn't look like they've done any showings at all. A friend that hosts there told me, re weirdly enough, that sometimes they, they don't get these smaller movies until the wide release, but the wide release was like two weeks ago so who knows what the fuck happened with this movie like, we're eventually gonna find out that something weird happened about it i don't but know yeah. I, I don't know one of my favorite quotes from this podcast so far has to be joe saying about paul walker's character in into the blue quote he's not doing anything morally wrong except flooding the streets with cocaine <laughs> i'm with joey on this one though true the drugs will find their way to the street but most moral philosophies place at least some weight on intention not just cause and effect joe needs to go watch the good place as a person that has given themselves drug-induced ADD, I have a very different outlook on a lot of drugs. I weigh them low on the moral scale. Personal morality. That's my personal bar for, for how I feel about them. I'm sure Kant would have something to say about that. <laughs> I'm really glad that he liked the quote. Though. 
After you guys talked about the 24-hour marathon, I started to get the idea in my head to do a marathon before Fast 9 comes out. It would have to be the weekend before, but Mrs. Wes is into it, so I think we're going to plan on starting the movies Saturday, May 16th, and finish them Sunday, May 17th. We don't know the times down yet, but I added it up, and if you include the turbocharged Prelude and Los Bandoleros, the series clocks in right at 19 hours. I want to make it a party where our friends can just come and go as they please, so I'm going to try to figure out how to time it so the most crowd-pleasing ones won't be at 3 in the morning. All of our friends are movie people, so marathons are always fun for us. So if you guys are interested, consider an open invitation to come marathon these with us. We've got an extra bed and a comfortable couch. I was just going to say I was about to invite myself to this, but the 16th through the 18th is exactly every fucking year my work conference. The Memorial Day weekend, kind of like right around that time, and it's exactly that time I was going to invite myself to it until I realized that. We saw Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. We saw it on Thursday night, and then Friday morning in the morning, I flew down to visit my sister. This time, when Fast and Furious 9 comes out on Friday, May 22, the next day is Pardcast-a-thon in Los Angeles, and I'm flying to Los Angeles. I'll probably fly out the second, 22nd. So we'll once again have to see it the night of Thursday the 21st, do our record Fine. mini little episode, and get it up. It's just weird that I just hang out with my sister apparently the weekend after, the weekend every time a Fast and Furious movie comes out. Yeah, that's, that is strange. Wes says, I'm excited for Spy Racers, even though it probably won't be great, but here's the way I look at it. As you know, I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan. I have yes. been since I was a little kid watching the 87 cartoon. I've consumed pretty much all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles media, at least American media, that there is to consume. I've seen yeah. great versions and horrible versions. Sounds like Mike Manzi with Godzilla. I have to look at it like every year that there's a new release of some kind is a good year for the brand because even if it sucks, it keeps the franchise in the public's mind and it's capturing someone else's imagination that may one day create a new amazing thing in the universe. So That's a really cool perspective that I didn't think about. Like By it coming out, you might hit one little kid that has a really cool idea in the next 15 to 20 years. Yes. Yeah. That's an awesome way to... It's a great perspective. I need to think more like that. That's cool. That is like a very selfless way to think about the franchise. Or anything. Exactly. Anything, really. Well, it's kind of selfish because you're going to get the end goal of it. Yep. But <laughs> but no, I'm, I agree. It is a very selfless way to think about it. Like, you want as many new fans as possible and so it could keep growing and building. Yep. And that's awesome. Clearly, Spy Racers is geared toward kids and it's going to be a silly and over-the-top in different ways than the movies, but it will hopefully bring in a whole new generation of fans and a whole new revenue stream because it doesn't matter if it's good or not winning is winning he doesn't say that i just said that as long as it makes money <laughs> so i always try to look at it that way same with hobbs and shaw so many people were upset about them making a spin-off but that's just proving the viability of the expanded universe to the studio just yep. last night we were talking to some friends who haven't seen any of the other movies but they saw hobbs and shaw and they really liked it so wow. now we work backwards and bring them into the family and this yep. isn't the first time we've had a conversation with someone like that. We have so many nieces and nephews and friends with kids now that I can't wait to start buying them Spy Racers toys Same next year. Drift you a Merry Christmas. It's just a short jump from there to Dominic Toretto Garage playset. Anyway, you guys get what I'm saying? Even if it's bad, it's good. I agree. I watched a trailer for it. Did you watch a trailer? No. There is a new trailer, and we're going to talk about that in the news. That's one. Of, that's like, There's not been much news since last week, but uh, that's one of the things. There's a new trailer out. Okay, we'll talk about it when we get to the news. Wes has been doing sort of like an ongoing research project into other Fast and Furious podcasts, but he ends with only one podcast on the list gets emails from me. So thank you, oh. Wes. And Wes gave us the permission. He just said, you know, we can we can skip it if we want to skip it. I will, sh- I will send this to you, Joe. No ill will toward any other podcast, but just, you know, no free rides. Amen. There you, no free rides was an appropriate... Wow. You're good at this. I didn't mean to. It just comes out. Wes says, I hope that information... Or I hope that was informative for everyone. Sorry, Wes. Didn't read it. This is still the best one. I was going to say all around. But also each specific category I can think of, you guys seem to do it better. 
Well, thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you. Okay, that's it. I, I will get let you get on with the show now. Can't wait to hear what Kara thinks of Tokyo Drift. Until next time, stay furious. So, Wes, thank you for sending all that in. I will read it, and thank Joe and you. I will read it, you know, in between when, when we take a break to bring in Kara. I think we'll take a look at that. But thank you mm-hmm. for your love and your support and all the kind words. Always. And Next email from Nick Burris. Uh, I wonder how this is. I'm trying to... Th- okay. His subject line is... You're confusing me with your delivery here. Okay. I know. I'm trying to think. I think. I think it's supposed to be like lyrical. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Da 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 da. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a super long email. I am Iron Man. Oh. Okay. Yeah. There we go. As it states, I'm behind. So here we go. Okay. Fast five. Notice some of the Gone in sixty seconds vibe between getting the crew and when No Name Giselle rides up on the motorcycle. Reminds me when Sway Angelina. Rides up. Mm-hmm. He says, when The Rock and Vin fight for the first time, Dom technically won, and if he would have taken the wrench to his head... Yeah, because he could have, like, killed The Rock with the wrench right there. Yes. They tie, but it's just because he didn't murder Hobbs. <laughs> well, we need him for the next, you know, nine movies, yeah. so... Uh, he says, the safe scene never would have worked with two cars. By the end, the cables would have been so tangled together, all the rotations that safe made, it wouldn't have worked. I agree. You gotta remember... You got two great wheelmen. Yeah, we you need two know we got men. those. <laughs> Says the most memorable moment in the first movie is the race between Dom and Brian at the ending. I agree. It's always a scene they play. I think like in, in clips and stuff. He says it'd be awesome if it actually fell in a minute. Which you know we will find out. Oh boy, 80, 70, 60, 70 episodes. Oh, if it like parses perfectly into a minute. Hope you got time because. <laughs> We'll find out eventually. Every time I watch Tokyo Drift, I cannot wait. Like, this is going to be Same. I was the thinking that this watch, it's be the best too. Yeah. God, I'm so excited for Tokyo Drift minutes. And then I was like, I was like, I wonder how many minutes we're through. And so, like, you know, we do the minute for tonight. And I was like, that's still a lot, though. Because these movies are kind of shorter on the front end. Yeah, but we're only a quarter of the way through. I know. And we also, <laughs> the question is, are we going to do the credits? I was going to ask you this, goddammit. I was thinking it today when I, because I was, we must have had the exact same thought watching this movie. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, should we do the credits as minutes? And then I was like, or should we skip them? And then we're like, and then I was like, well, what if there's a post-credit scene? Which there is, so, right? In, there in, is. In one? Yeah, so it's like, so do we... Do we just cut the credits out? And, like, where do we start it? And there's so many... Uh, I think yeah. we got to do minute by minute. I think we got to transcribe the credits. <laughs> yeah, that's my part. That's my job. I did, like, it's all signs. It's all signs. Yeah, exactly. It's Well, it's, it's part script. It's part sign. I mean, what is it? It's it's both, so... Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Nick says, waited so I could see Ford v. Ferrari. It was good. Carol Shelby is one of my idols, and also his cars, especially the Cobras. Yeah. He says the rare sure. Cobra was supercharged. And the one Carol owned was sold at Barrett Jackson recently for like $3.3 million. Yeah, it was. That's a lot of and money. And I, I definitely have seen that one in real life. Yeah. And it was funny and we all laughed about it. And um, when my dad saw it at Barrett Jackson. Actually, you know what? It was sold at a Barrett Jackson that was here in Connecticut. They did one at the at Mohegan Sun. And when I saw it, I called my dad. And my dad asked the guy who had owned it at one point, like, did you see it was being sold at Barrett Jackson? And he just like chuckled and walked <laughs> away. I was like, I wish I could be so coy about $3 million cars. Yeah. But you sure. Know. Nick says he also read the book Go Like Hell before the movie got a lot of info. Oh, cool. 
Nice, that's good. Uh, he says McLaren was the driver, and it's the McLaren we know today. Uh, so that's what we were talking about a little bit. You remember yes. us? I was asking if it was like mm-hmm. the McLaren or just like father or son McLaren. He says it is the McLaren. He says Miles was three. Ken Miles was three laps ahead at the finish. So it was like 10, 12 ish minutes, right? So that's a uh, he had. Yeah. So the movie made it seem like they were on the same lap, but it, he had to wait a couple. No, laps. they're not. Right. Yeah, yeah. You would definitely be like laps apart by the time you got to the, like. Yeah, because that's what I was saying. Like you know, in twenty four hours, you would build up more than just three minute lead like a 12 minute lead is much more like if you're mm-hmm. doing four minute laps you're doing 15 an hour times 24 it's like 360 laps to be up by you know three makes more sense than just being up by like three quarters right because exactly yeah the blue and orange car the gt40 was the golf sponsored car he says oh okay 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 yep he says down for a board game that would be cool that was remember the wells lamont yep. uh, also by the way wells stayed at like the fanciest airbnb i've ever seen in my i know life. like that did is did you see this too good job wells shout out wells yeah we were girlfriend yeah nick says hallmark needs to start a collection of ornaments oh yeah oh I, fast and the furious ornaments yeah like just because you know i bet they have them at the universal thing right now a lot of it hallmark because my sister used to work at hallmark for a while so what they would do is they would like launch a new line or whatever and they would say like here's like four or five or six or whatever and then basically for a while they would put out one a year so they could in theory do you know a couple different cars a couple different characters and then just once a year like the new release or whatever right like it's not it wouldn't be that yeah. much it wouldn't be that bad i've just been seeing a bunch of like pittsburgh steelers themed christmas trees on like the steelers yep. facebook groups and now i'm thinking like how cool would it be if we had a fast and the furious themed christmas tree and instead of a train we could use one of those like racetracks sure you know yeah, what like i mean the like the eight or whatever school. just go around the yep. bottom yep exactly that's enough christmas to get you into christmas that that's you know that would solve that problem that's my kind of i'll drift you a merry christmas for sure Nick also says a 24-hour uh, twenty four hour marathon sounds fun. I think it'd be fun, too. I'm excited to hear they're doing an animated series. This is just like a quick hits paragraph. It was a treat for Joe, too, to try and guess my feature liner picture. Yeah, it was hard. That was a tough one. I was actually thinking about it when I was at the store today before before I um, came home. Now I think that Fast and Furious and Triple X could be in the same universe. He says Dom could be on the run after the first, changes his name, acts crazy. Triple X is the same, like, especially... The new one, Return of Xander Cage, is like, it feels like a Fast and Furious movie. So, like, I would absolutely see those as the, uh, in the same universe. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Into the Blue, he says, I watched for the first time. It wasn't bad. Porsche Jessica Alba's awesome. I do agree that Amanda should have died and maybe sooner. Then they wouldn't have gotten in the mess at all. (laughs) That's what I was saying the whole time. I was like, she needs to go. He says, I believe they used a bigger leg woman or a prop because that bite was huge and her legs were not that big and her bone would have been (laughs) snapped. Yeah, because she is like, she gets a big bite out of her, but she's still like walking around. Like she's being, you know, helped around, but she's still walking. It's like, no, that like she would be like her bottom half of the mouth is. Exactly. He says, everybody in that movie could hold their breath for a long damn time. A little far-fetched. <laughs> I could see Brian as a diver. If he and Jessica Alba were, like, diving, yes. But I think at one point, like, what's his name? Just, like, smoking cigars. Like, that guy's not holding his breath for three minutes. Right. And he says here, uh, I know they're, they're used to it, but even Cuba and Robert De Niro in Men of Honor, which is a Charlie Theron movie as well. Uh, we talked Ooh. about that on Watch the Throne. If you want to listen to us, Nick, if you want to listen to me and Mike talk about Men of Honor, he says, they were professional divers. They could only do it for four minutes, and that's a true story, plus a better movie, LOL. Well, I've seen David Blaine hold his breath live for ten minutes. Yeah, but he is... Uh, in front of my face. He's a freak literally he's a freak Ryan yeah. freak that's chris angel as you're discussing what paul and jessica's characters would have done like marriage he says hell even letty and dom got married in fast and furious 4 come on brian commit damn it but i guess that's so brian well don't fall asleep reading the short story catch you on the other side nick the quick nick the quick Ooh, i do I like, like that, that he's calling out brian you know across movies different characters like hey dom got married why can't you get married yeah it's very brian of him yeah are, wait are mia 
Brian and Mia aren't married, I guess, right? Never. But no. they have two kids, so who oh boy, living in sin. <laughs> I guess they are. Didn't she like wear a white dress at some point? Like, isn't she like in a white dress in like the Dominican at some point? I'm just, su- so, I'm surprised that like there wasn't because I mean Dom and Letty had the secret wedding. I'm surprised that they hadn't have a secret wedding. Maybe they did. It was just it was so secret we didn't even get to see <laughs> it on screen. Last email is a quickie from Justin Kleiman. Jagoffs. I think you're right, Jagoff originates from Pittsburgh, but it's not just said there. I lived in Chicago for six years and it's very often used in the blue-collar world that I circulated in. So I think it's just like a Midwestern affectation, possibly? I think it's a Midwestern... I'm going to say slur, but it's not like a slur. You know what I mean? Like... A slang from the Midwest. Sure. And that's all the email. So thank you all for writing in. If you want to write in an email, family at cageclub.me. Thank you, Justin, Wes, and Nick for writing in. Family at cageclub.me. Let us know what snack you would put in your... In the vending machine. In our collective family vending machine. Joe, on the streets, real quick, two things. We already talked about one of them. New Fast and Furious Spy Racers trailer out. And... Yes. Cooler... Vin Diesel's Dodge Charger from Furious 7 is up for sale. Just about the Spy Racers trailer, I watched it. We're anti-trailer, but it was the first one, and it's for a Netflix kid show. Yeah. For the record, I'm not boycotting it because I don't want to have it spoiled. I'm just boycotting it because, like, I don't need to watch the trailer. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like I want... I can't, I can't be spoiled for this. Like, I, this is not a moral yes, stand. exactly. So I watched it, and it's like... I got a lot of, like, uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 vibes that was essentially a Fast and the Furious movie. I think we're going to get a lot of that, and it's like, they're like racers, and then they're like, we need, like, super spies. It it, it was, like, really fun to watch it, that they're going to, like, pitch it to kids. They're kind of poking fun at the Fastiverse, with, they're like, you guys are racers, well, now you're super spies. And they're like, cool! And, like, so I was like, oh, this is really fun, because, like, you know, the logical jump between, like, being a street racer at one point, and then, you know, hacking the world. I'm excited for it in that sense because I think it'll be a lot of stuff for us to take in yeah I think there's gonna like I just want to sort of build out the mythology right like you just have a yeah it's just more wacky tangents to go down and like add stuff to yep that's what we're gonna get it seems like the other thing we're going to do in this segment because there is there's no other news I don't think there's any other news is there anything else that you have seen Fast and Furious wise that was about it so I'm going to do Rock the Vote searching Dwayne Johnson president The Rock president no new news there's a lot of news about Jumanji however there's one story uh, Tom Hanks has been in the news lately because A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is out. There's okay. A, there's an article on The Hill that says Tom Hanks weighs in on primary, quote, anybody can become president. And so apparently on SNL, I think this must have been the David S. Pumpkins episode. Maybe Dwayne Johnson was on two. I don't know. But Hanks jokingly declared on SNL that he would uh, join The Rock's presidential campaign oh. as his running mate. He made oh. clear Sunday that he has no interest in setting up shop in the Oval Office. Quote, my job was going to be I was going to stand behind him and stare at the back of his head adoringly as his vice president. They don't really keep the president and vice president together a lot, but at the same time, how big would that be for us? You got Hanks for the memories joining the rock on his ticket? Yeah, but we were That's saying, incredible. you know, we were we were hoping for like the the Dwayne Johnson Charlize Theron. This is a more yes. realistic cuz they're both. But still, give us those podcast listeners, baby. Yeah, please. I think I think they're listening, man. And then Dwayne they Johnson or, and then Tom Hanks said he does not want to run for office cuz he'd be in a permanent press conference basically, which yeah, fair, 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 fair. That's a Good point. Yeah, meetings, man. Joe, one more thing to do before we take a break. We're going to do Fast and the Furious Minute. A minute I called the Wheelman.
the last person in the world I expected to show up. Yeah, well, I thought if I got in your good graces, you might let me keep my car. You are my good graces, but you ain't keeping your car. You drive like you've done this before. What are you, a wheel man? No. Boost cars. I like that title. That's a good title. Thank you. I think it's, you know, he's not a wheelman, and that's the trivia question, because again, this is one where, like, things happen, like, there's more happen in this minute than in the last minute. There's more dialogue that you heard and everything like that, but it's still not, like, there's a lot going on. It's just them getting away. Exactly. And I, I wrote down the, the the notable moment is that this is kind of like Dom a little bit falling in love with Brian. Like, Brian's already clearly smitten by Dom, right? Like, you know, two yes. animals had you, but here... You know, Brian did Dom a solid, and Dom's like, hey man, respect. He, yeah, I see some loyalty there. I like it. Brian and Dom race away from the cops. Brian essentially California drifts, not Tokyo drifts, but California drifts through an oh, intersection. I, know. I was going to say that, yes. Uh, station wagon clips the rear quarter panel of a trailing cop car, spinning it out. Brian then slaloms through two stopped cop cars, and then they catch a little bit of air, which reminds me, which we have not seen yet, but at the end of this movie where they hit the air over the train tracks. But again, Brian oh, catching yeah. a little bit of air, Good right? Point. So, And then the, the only other note that I made was that the Brian saves Dominic track by BT continues, fades out, and ends in this minute. So this minute ends with no music because it's just Brian and Tom talking, as you heard. But Joe, what did you catch? What did you pick up sign, product, and model number-wise? Numbers, text, letters. What did you see in this minute? Two cool things. One, the car that the cops smash into is a Volvo 740 Turbo which is pretty cool. Yep. I think that the old Volvo station wagons are actually really interesting. So there's a gas station. It looks like gas is one fifty nine a gallon. What did I just... Oh, we just watched background. Collateral for Cruise Club, yeah. which came out... It's, a, it's set in Los Angeles, which I did not know, but it's in like 2004, 2005, and they had gas like two fifty, like 230, 240, 250 or whatever. And if, you, yeah. if you're in LA now, I think it's like five... Like in LA proper, it's like five, six bucks, I think. Yep. What a simpler time back in 2001, 2005. But I was just thinking about gas in California... Last night, as we watched Collateral, so it's it's very fitting. You found a gallon, uh, a price tag on the the gas station. It was definitely one something. It, it could have been one sixty. It's kind of blurry. I in couldn't the even, like, I had to ask. You, I couldn't even see it. I I didn't know where you where you picked it from. It's like right when they like wreck into the Volvo. Yep. You see that. The other cool thing I caught a sign in passing. It's a sign for the Stewart Hotel. Okay. But I'm starting to piece together now from the past like three or four minutes, mm-hmm. essentially from when they like. Cops, 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 and run. So from the end until, of the race. From the end of the race until now. Yeah. This entire section of scenes is shot on South Union Avenue. Okay? okay? And it's pretty much like three blocks. Like, Dom comes down from the north and drives down into the garage, right? And that's the building that says swap meet on the side, stuff like that. Right. We see the sign for 8th Avenue, or 8th Street, 8th Street. sorry. Yep, yep, yep. That's the road that he yeah. turns from, that Brian drifts from onto in his getaway. Yes, and so they're essentially driving just up and down the street. So when we finally get there, oh, the President Apartments, remember the President yep, Apartments yep, yep. we talked mm-hmm. about? It's all on the same drag now. Okay. So we know that, like, Dom drives down, pulls into the garage. Dom runs out, meets Brian in a in an alley, which I can't find the alley. I was trying to like Google Maps around it. I can't find the alley, but we have to assume that it's a close alley. Probably not movie-wise, but like in theory, there's an alley around there. Brian gets back to the same road and drives right by where Dom just parked his car out, and that's where the cops are chasing them. As the minute evolves, we 
we like certain things more than others, and I feel like we kind of get tired of certain things. But my my current favorite thing about the minute is you being able to like geocache, geo map, and geocache like basically like a six block radius in Los Angeles. Like you are becoming intimately familiar with like a very Dude. like that is probably similar, but also not identical. But like, oh, this is where this used to be. Like I, you know, we've talked about listeners and people who have written in before going out and doing the Fast and Furious tour, like seeing Toronto's Marketing Cafe seeing the, you know, where they have lunch, going to the 1327, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this is like, this is the nitty gritty, right? Like, this is like, this is where the real shit is. Like, this is like, this is the corner oh, yeah. that Brian drifts through, right? Like, this is... Yeah, this is, I've like yeah. really, I've really, really gotten it down. I'm intimately aware of exactly what's happening in this three block radius in LA. I know where everything should be, where stuff was, what's changed, it's really crazy to see. I love it. It's it's so. it's the weirdest development that I did not see coming. The geography of it all. Yeah, same. It's it's like really strange. Uh, so you know, you start picking stuff up and you like get it out. It's just how it works, man. It's gonna be weird. Very very. I can't weird. find what where the garage is that Dom like parked in. Like I can't see an entrance from the street, and that's what's tripping me up right now. So I can't tell you where he actually parked, and that's making me sad but maybe they closed it i can't tell you i also do think that like this minute like the geography of this is giving us a little bit of a flash forward to the world's longest runway because i feel like as he tokyo drifts as the california drifts around the corner it's from Mm -hmm. 8th street and then we see you know the 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 station wagon hit the cop car and then the cops come up and he approaches the cop cars and he slaloms through them all this different stuff but this is over like a block and a half. Like this is all like it's all like it's probably <laughs> yes. thirty seconds of this minute. But it would really in real life be like four seconds, four or five seconds. Yeah, it's just it's all it'd be like drift. All right, slalom, slalom, go. But it's just like drift, cut there. Brian picks up speed. Cops approach. Dom goes shit or whatever. Cops stop. Brian slaloms through. Brian goes off. And if you look at the map, he it like tees off at the end. Yeah, because you can still so, like, see Eighth Street in, like, every shot. So, like, it's, yeah. it's creative editing. Like, it's not really hiding the fact. But I think that even back in the first movie, you know, we, we always lovingly give Six a little bit of shit for the world's longest runway. But I feel like even back then, like, this is the world's longest runway. Like, this is the world's longest block, right? Like, it's just like, how does he take <laughs> 30 seconds to go what feels like he's doing, like, 40 miles an hour, like, a, a, a small city block? At least 40 miles an hour. Right? Yeah. It's just, uh... Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, boy. Um, so I'm gonna make that a notable moment. Uh, and then the question I have, and I'm not, I'm not in love with this, but I just don't know what the other question could be. So if you have any other ideas, I'm okay. down for them. I just said, when Dom is grilling Brian, and this is the conversation, you know, as you just heard, cuts off. Oh. What's the first job he asked Brian if he is? Getaway driver, car booster, hot wirer, or wheelman? That's a really good question. The only other one that I had is like, what kind of seats does Brian have in his car? Sparco? Yeah, but this one's way better because you can throw, I like the car booster question because you're leading us because next minute, what about you, you know, that time you did. Yeah, you boost what about cars? the time you didn't yeah. be boosting cars? This is a very good question. Cool. I like yours much better. Well, thank yeah, you so much. Any other thoughts about the minute? Because I feel like this is like, I think we're, this is like an important, both in what happens here narratively, but also in the amount of stuff we have to talk about. This is kind of like a pivot between action without really much consequence almost, and getting to more character development, conversation, new yeah, characters, we're going to get heavier quickly. I think that this marks the end of the race minutes. Yeah, because we're going to have a couple of conversations, then we're going to get pulled over by Johnny Tran, have a couple of mm-hmm. those. 
couple more minutes as they get to the party, then they have the party, yep. and then it all goes from there. It feels like we're forever from getting Mia and Letty back in here, but they're, they're not that far. Like, you know, maybe six, seven, eight minutes, maybe? Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting Not there. far. But let us take a break, bring it back in Cara Galo Regan to continue the driving school lap. Episode number 61, Tokyo Drift, brought to you by Team O'Neill's Rally School. Team O'Neill's Drift Driving Course takes their 20-plus years of loose service instruction to paved surfaces. You must be proficient at driving a manual transmission to participate in the course. Is that all capital letters? Yes. Cool. Thank you, Team O'Neill's Rally School. Well, welcome back from the break. We are here joined once again, as always, this lab, by Cara Gayla Regan. Hello, Cara. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for being our guinea pig. I mean, so look, I'm not going to dwell on it again. i got to bring it up every episode, though. <laughs> Rachel was really disappointed when she found out. I'm so but sorry. Everybody was. Yeah. Surprise ruined, but you still were the guinea pig on Tokyo Drift out of order. Joe and I were talking in the intro. We both like it this way. I, this might be a difficult question to answer, but it's another two-part question. Number one, did you like this movie? And then number two, knowing what you know about the first six movies in the franchise, do you think you would have liked it more if you watched it in order or watched it now? No, I'm so glad that we watched it when we did. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Did you like the movie? I did. I watched it twice. What? Ooh. Wow. Hot. Why? The second time, I just I am doing something mindless. And very long and tedious for work, so I just like put it on the background. That's awesome. Beautiful. A lot of the times we talk about this, they play these movies a lot on like USA or whatever, right? TNT or like as a movie marathon. Which also, by the way, real quick, Jordan messaged me. I don't remember when it was, if it was a weekend day or maybe Thanksgiving or something. But she said, my day is ruined because I was going to do a bunch of things, but there's a Fast and Furious marathon on TV. I was like, well, you know, your day could, your day just got better. Exactly. And that's it's very hard for me to pass it and be like, I could just put these on. Even still, like we've watched these movies and even still to this day, I'm like, but they're just on. Yeah, it's great. I was relieved that I did know the spoiler for this well, one. We can say it now. Which is that Han dies. I didn't cry either time. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, really? I know. Right? I cry at literally everything else. Yeah, no, I cried the first time I watched it. Finally, when Dom shows up at the end, and I was like, oh, oh how do you get there? <laughs> <laughs> so now when, he, when they said... You know, there's a guy here said he knew Han, said Han's family. Did you did you think it was Dom? Who do no, you think it was? I I don't think I was thinking at that point. <laughs> That's okay. fair. Because yeah. I don't know if I you know, I don't know if I would have guessed either. Like I'm, I'm not. I think I heard it, and either. I never like. I was like, oh, there's a guy here. He he says he knows Han. He says Han was family. I was like, okay, another character. Cool. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting Dom. So as much as we were like sad, you stop trying to get yourself off the hook here, Joe. <laughs> that you might have known the Han died. You didn't know that Dom shows up at the end, right? That's a surprise. Yeah. I honestly, like, just, if I didn't know that Han was going to die, he's my favorite character of the franchise, (laughs) it would have straight up ruined my week, and I just don't have time for that right now. (laughs) I was relieved that I knew it was going to happen, because then when it did happen, I was like, okay, I prepared myself for this moment. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Your steely resolve. Now, we also asked you to watch the cut scene... Mm-hmm. credit scene from six 
So how do you feel about that, and how does that fit in? I don't know. We'll see. Did you know that Jason Statham was in these movies? We were talking about it in the intro, and we were like, we feel like you've mentioned that Jason Statham was in these before. Me? No. All these bald guys, I can't tell them apart. Okay. They're all the same shape. Yeah, that's just the shape of muscle. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, and I told this to Jordan, I think Jordan probably had a similar reaction when I saw this movie in theaters. I'm sorry, when I saw Six in theaters, which was the first one I saw in theaters, credits start, and then there's the credit scene where Jason Statham shows up. I stood up in the theater, arms raised above my head in celebration, like (laughs) they made the next movie for me. Like, not that I was really, I don't think, intimately familiar with Jason Statham's work, but I'm just like, this is, of all the people that they could have added to this franchise, aside from maybe like Nicolas Cage, like this is like, Mm -hmm. and I gotta say, I love Nicolas Cage, Statham fits way better than Nicolas Cage ever would. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the perfect addition. Other than, like, Crank, what has he been in so uh, He was in the three Transporters, the three Transporter movies. Okay. He was in the two Crank movies, which I think is probably why I was so excited. He was in a bunch of Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah. Uh, oh, all the British right. gangster mm-hmm. movies. Like, he is also kind of in the, the rock era of what should probably otherwise be a straight-to-VOD, straight-to-DVD mm-hmm. movie, but gets a theatrical release because he's in it. But it's right. not as successful as The Rock. I want to say, like, The Mechanic. Like, uh, There's a bunch of movies in, like, the 2012 to 2016 era. Mm-hmm. I think, like, it's basically right before and, like, right immediately after Furious 7, where he's just in a bunch of movies where he's like, oh, I've never heard of this movie, but it was in theaters, apparently. Yeah. Should I bring it up, Joey? The main point of contention with Fast and the Furious fans right now. Oh, before you do that, one thing I want to clarify. Last movie, Kara, when we covered Fast and Furious 6, and you said, is this... Shaw of Hobbs and Shaw, we said, no, this is Shaw of Hobbs and Shaw. Right. I think I maybe knew that. Just being a person in the world, either having seen our art or billboards or commercials or whatever, Jason Statham and The Rock are kind of everywhere, right? So Yeah, I don't know, but they're just like, you know, bald action guys. That sure. Yeah. They're kind of interchangeable to me, so. It makes sense. So it's not like a, a hugely consequential casting choice, although it's like, so Han was murdered. Yes. And that actually transitions Joe perfectly into what he was about to bring up. Without, like, spoiling anything, there's a giant point of contention that you know that Hobbs and Shaw exist, right? That there's a mm-hmm. movie that exists called Hobbs and Shaw. And Fast and the Furious fans are very upset that we know Shaw killed Han. In cold blood. In mm-hmm. cold blood. Keep that in mind as we watch the next, you know, set of movies. Because there is a hashtag called Justice for Han. I don't know if you know about this. I don't. But I can say Justice for Han. I mean, I think, I don't think anybody disagrees with Justice for Han. I think that there are ways, like, I think Joe and I are of a certain mindset where you can, you can defend it to a certain extent. That you can be like, well, there is X, Y, and Z, and we will get into that as we watch the next three movies. There is an outcry, Justice for Han, which they have said they will address in 9 and or 10. It's, it's just something to keep in mind. As the movies progress, Shaw definitely killed Han. We've seen it in cold blood. Keep that in mind. So I'm going to lay out a real hot take here. Before we play that, so Brian, I'm going to say, and I don't know if it's just because it's a different order of watching the movies. I don't know if it was because I've been so incredibly busy at work and I feel like I'm dying a little bit every day and just watching this brought me so much joy. But I could I could argue, I could make the argument that this is my favorite Fast and Furious movie. Oh, I can see it. I could definitely Dude, see it. Yeah. I had the exact same thought when I watched it this time. I think this is firmly, like in this order especially, has mm-hmm. firmly entrenched this in the top three. Five and six, I still feel are the scale to which they go 
are so beautiful. But like this movie moves at such a goddamn clip that it's like, <laughs> wow. Especially after we watch, I think that's that, that's maybe my big takeaway is that yeah. doing two short movies or right or three three short regular movies, then two long ones, then going back to a short one or a regular one, whatever, makes this one feel even quicker. So fast. I l- it's so furious. so furious. I love everything about watching this at this point. I don't know that I've ever liked Tokyo Drift more than I did this time just because busy from work, a pleasure to watch. No, it's just a breather. I, like um, yeah. Wes said it in his intro email. I agree with you 100%. Watching it in this order, I think that we've definitively said that this is the order that I would show people in because you need a breather between six and seven. This is the perfect breather. You hit the gas. It makes this movie, like you were just saying, feel way faster like actually faster in both and tones, yeah, in both tone and runtime coming after six. Or it's like an hour forty-five, hour forty-six, including the credits, which are like five or six. Like it's basically almost under an hour forty, which is a full thirty-five-ish minutes shorter than the last. Like it's it's so breezy. And I think what we've talked about a lot, like the the soundtrack, just it it oh, literally so <laughs> banging song ends, beat. Bang and song begins. It's just like, what is happening? I love it. And also, like, you have context for who Han is. You're already, like, attached to Han. So you're, like, immediately more engaged in the movie because there's a, char- like, a main-ish character yes. who you're already, like, strapped in for. I had always said that as Justin Lin comes in, that I think that he plays a lot off of audience feedback. And so they had killed Han off. But I think that what really happened is it's like, People were so stoked on Han. They just were like forced into rewriting him into four because he's like mildly in four. He's in the beginning right there. People were just like, no, we want even more Han again. And like, that's how he got added back into the franchise. I mean, maybe, but also he has been in like every Justin Lin movie. That's he's true, too. In all of his movies. That's better luck so tomorrow, he, all that. He's like yep. his boy. Also, he's worked with John Cho a lot, and I want to know why the fuck he's not in these movies. I don't know who John Cho is. Harold Andrew Kumar, the Harold. Asian guy. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So, Kara, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but knowing the, sort of the two points of contention that we have had with your take, like we have, we've praised behind closed doors and on the intro of this episode. We have been so outwardly grateful that you are enjoying the slap as much as you are, Mm -hmm. because it's basically the best possible scenario across the board. The only criticism that you have run into from our listeners, even from us, is that you do not like Brian, you do not like Hobbs. (laughs) Neither of those characters are in this movie. fuck them both. Does this make this on on par with, like, Los Bandoleros? Kind of, except that Brian is totally in this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. He does feel like he's there. Yes, I agree. I even wrote down to that So Brian moment. Because there was one character who was pretty clearly like a stand-in for Brian. Yeah. That's So Brian. And that is Twinkie. Just kidding. Not Twinkie. (laughs) It is very clearly Lucas Black as Sean. Sean is just redneck Brian. Who's also 30. This feels like Brian's origin story yeah like that he then went on to like somehow become a cop and then a criminal the thing that we get hung up on is that lucas black is 30 in this movie and in high school so i didn't realize that this was going to be a high school movie (laughs) well didn't you we did a three special with mike manzi and brian rodriguez oh did you i'll have to go back and listen to that we did we did it as a fast and furious movie we did it as a high school movie 
and we did it as a third times a charm movie. Oh, wow. And we released three episodes of all of us in talking. In like six days, yeah. Okay, well, that's a little more programming than I'm ready for, but um, I'll listen to one of them. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, you can listen to the high school summer party episode. It was great, but we, yeah, we did the whole you know gambit because it was all three so so let's talk about that so brian before we get into the characters before we get into the fashion this is i think the movie that jordan has been specifically waiting for your comments on because keep in mind that because this chronologically takes place after six Mm -hmm. this is taking place circa 2013 ish so if you put that that in mind extremely 2006 yes very much so both musically and fashion all of it you know the thing that i keep thinking about watching these movies and i think i said this even just back when we did the first one was like what a artifact of their time each and every one of these are like this is is so 2006 in a way that like really kind of blew my mind you know number four is exactly of its time i think it's fascinating they are they are like um time capsules right like yeah you get like a nice look into exactly what was happening at the time but this does yeah. not take place in 2006 it's 2013 with cars Obviously. and phones from 2006 because han's not dead yet <laughs> And Boots from 2006. Exactly. But let's talk about that. So, Brian, probably specifically focusing around Sean, the Sean character, because he is very much Brian. The through line of him just willfully inserting himself into any new situation where he's like, don't worry, I know exactly what's going on. Let's race. It's like, dude, you have no idea of anything (laughs) going on at any point ever. You against Home Improvement. You against DK. You against literally anyone just like, yeah, I'll take on the Yakuza. What's up? It's like, no, calm down. I, I appreciate the confidence, but man, you are not ready for this. I wrote down, this motherfucker thinks he knows everything. Everything. <laughs> literally everything. Yeah. Is there a specific moment, Kara or Joe, that you want to point out as a specifically That's O'Brien moment? I think just like in the beginning, when you get Lucas Black totally wrecking the whole condo situation like mm-hmm. the, the whole thing and just being like whoops like no he <laughs> says and this is a direct quote oh well and then just drives through a house half built house yeah that and was that's like, exactly the moment that i wrote down just blatant disregard for anybody but himself like that's a very brian moment he just like no, i but house. to me he doesn't have any regard for himself either because he clearly has no regard for his personal safety or like well-being or anything like that or his future okay yeah fair poor shangri-la i mean that's all i gotta say is shangri-la just takes the brunt of their their combat here and- yeah. but so interesting that this movie is from 2006 a time when these kinds of developments were popping up all over the place the pre-financial crisis real estate boom yes yes and it you is. see it right here in this movie is this part of the hustlers verse oh probably oh, yeah for sure and big short for too. sure all the great financial crisis movies all the bubble movies yeah. all rolled into one Joe, do you have any specific uh, That's So Brian moments? I mean, is it just the Shangri-La moment, or are there any others that stand out to you? No, I want to hear Kara's. Maybe she'll inspire some more for me. That was... Oh, no, it was the Oh Well drive through a half-built yeah. house. Oh, yeah. that was it? Like, we were at the that same moment? It. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, I didn't mean to post The those. other one was when he says to, what's the girl's name, Neela? Yes. Something like, oh, I got you all figured out, you know, like your parents are, <laughs> you're like an army brat or whatever, and she was like, uh, No. And just like walks away. That was my second That's So Brian moment too, because he like just walks up to her so confident and is like, I got you uh-huh. all figured out. And she's like, You're absolutely wrong. Could not be further from Can't the Can't you tell about my Australian accent? You don't know a single thing about me. Yeah, but he doesn't either, which is great. Because he doesn't know a single thing about anything at all. Even driving. He doesn't seem to be that great of a driver. 
Yeah. Although, Which is early Brian, he, yeah. By the end of this movie, he is Drift King. Like, he beats Drift King. We've talked about how he probably inherits that title. He is the new Drift King. He shouldn't be good, but he is, I guess? Yeah, he just he's a fast learner. Him saying to her when they're eating, like, you know, vending machine foods on their vending machine food date. A lot of vending machines in these movies. Oh, yeah, you're right. In different movies, too. When he's saying to her, he's like... I didn't even have to put ketchup on it or nothing. That's a tuna on white bread, no crust kind of thing, right? Like, oh my God, you're so right. (laughs) Right? Like, that's like exactly Brian doing the like tuna, no crust. Like, it's the, it's the same kind of like, oh yeah, like I eat this weird. I'm not a narc. I didn't even put ketchup on it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, I wrote down a couple of moments specifically. uh, Because they're all. there's only one character here who is Brian, and it's clearly Sean the entire movie, right? But yes. it's a uh, opening scene, racing its home improvement. Yep. Racing for pink slips against a car that, like, clearly outclasses. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I know that his car probably was fast. has, like, it's it's got way more firepower, way more horsepower than home improvement thinks it is. But he's also racing against, like, even if it's just a stock tuner, like, he's racing against, like, a car with a lot of horsepower. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's... And if you have to corner at all, like, he might, it's, he's not going to, but he might have been able to beat him in a drag race. But if you're driving this car, like, in any sort of turning capacity, like, you're not going to win. You're absolutely yeah. not going to win. And the other one that I wrote down is when he first races against DK, when D- he's getting in DK's face. And DK says something like, you know, you're the one who's lucky because I'm about to race. And he goes, well, then let's race. It's like, what are you doing? Stop it. You don't even have a car, you fucking idiot. That was my other That's So Brian moment. Somebody says you can take my car and you just do. (laughs) Like, he doesn't even, he's not even like, nah, man, like, I can't drive your car. You know what I mean? Like, what if I wreck it? He's like, no, I'm going to take it and I'm just going to smash it off this wall first thing I do. A complete willful disregard (laughs) for anyone else's personal property. And not only that, not only that, but he's also like, I'm going to go grab another set of tires. It's like, no, dude, like, stop. Like, do you have any idea how much money you're costing us right now? No, he doesn't care. I'm just trying to be Drift King. That's it, man. That's all I care about. It works, I guess. It happens. Gets there in the end. All right, Kara, let's talk about the new characters. We got Twinkie. We got Neela. Which one's Twinkie? Twinkie's Bat Wow. Remember when you had me take a quiz, like back in one of the. Oh, yeah, first... you're Twinkie. You're Twinkie. Oh, okay. I thought so. That's so funny. You know, he says, I don't just think outside the box, I, I tear it up. up. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like. <laughs> Uh, I like to, that's, that might be my new life's motto. Well, you've earned the right to channel your inner Twinkie. (laughs) Yeah, you can do it. And I hope that you give Snickers to models all the time, too, because that's incredible. (laughs) You know, I'm allergic to peanuts, but I can maybe, I can maybe get some other candy bars. Yeah, maybe. Did you sell questionable technology in high school? So... Actually, now that I get beat up for it, what I was about to say is that one of the few things that I absolutely for sure know about myself is that I fucking hate selling things to people. Okay. However, when I was in middle school, I was like one of the first people in my town to get both broadband internet and a CD burner. So I would pirate music. Awesome. Burn CDs and sell them at school. <laughs> I used to do the same thing with movies. Nice. Yeah, it was really great. Awesome. Good for that's really cool. How much were you charging a CD? Oh, I think like five dollars. That was the going rate in my high school too. Yeah, that was yeah. for DVDs for me. Five bucks. Yeah, makes sense. Why'd you have broadband internet before everybody else? Like, whether just parents didn't care. Your dad was like a techno nerd or something. Yeah, my dad worked in IT. There you go. He worked Makes from sense. Home sometimes. I think this is a good time to point out, Joe, that you know we we have said before that we've met playing Halo 2, but I remember around the time of Xbox Live when it first came out, 
the greatest lie that people told was, oh, my dad's got a T1 line at his house because of work. It's like, no, yes. No, <laughs> yes, that was every fucking kid. I'm the host of the game. My dad has a T1 line at, at our house because of work. Or, or you lived on the part of town that the line just came off of. It's not my fault. I got a T1 line because my dad is my dad work. It's like, what, what does that even mean? And there's definitely a bunch of kids that were like, no, like, I live on the outside of town. Like, the ISP is down the street from me. I'm the first line off the thing. I'm the fastest. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And the most furious. Yeah. That's a great... I Dude, I totally forgot about that. Everybody had a T1 line. And it's like, at the time, what was it, like $1,500 a month or something? It was crazy, yeah. Like, I, nobody had a T1 line. Like, no, no one had a T1 line. <laughs> All over the place, though. Just, T1 bunch line, of, you know. just a bunch of at-home radiologists, like, just looking at... <laughs> It scans all the time, and their kids are just playing Xbox. Like, thanks, I have no lag. It's great, <laughs> Dad. You're the best, Dad. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about so the new characters. We got Twinkie, who is you. We got Neela, who is the object of everyone's affection. We got DK, who is the villain. We've got more Han than we've ever had before. I mean, you knew Han, but we've got more Han. Like, this is where people fall in love with Han. Did you have? Is there a particular character that is your favorite, or do you have one that you, is a least favorite? Highs to lows. What? Did, like, who did you love most? Who did you love least? Ooh, in Tokyo Drift that you did like not that. either not know before or, you know, got to know even better this time around. Well, obviously Han, you know, I, I've been a Han fan since the beginning. And then to see him so much more in this, you're right. I really did fully fall in love with him as if I wasn't already. Everyone else was fine. How do you feel knowing that now that you've seen four, five and six, you know which character they kept? which was none of the other ones. So because we watched them out of order, one of the things that we always do, we're like, who are they going to bring back? Mm. What characters are they going to keep? But you know that they don't keep any of these characters besides Han. Like, how does that make you feel? Because you, like, you were like, meh, about the characters. And you're like, well, you didn't have to see them again. Yeah, great. That's Fine. <laughs> they're just They're just gone now. <laughs> they stayed in Tokyo where they belonged. And I mean, I do think that, there's like an obvious like Han is the best character in this movie by like a country mile. Yes. Yeah. Knowing what we know about him from the later movies and like what he's been through and like kind of like thinking about like his mental state in this movie like this is a darker Han than we've seen I feel like. You know he's got like nothing to lose and also millions and millions of dollars to just do anything with. Yeah. But he like hangs out with high school kids and. Yo but I love that he gives DK shit for hanging out with high school girls he's like what the fuck like you're an adult you should be hanging out with adult women and i appreciate that comment i also loved his joke to brian or whatever his name is sean Sean, when he's like why can't you just find a nice japanese girl like all the rest of the white guys around here that's such that's such a (laughs) a good joke i know i really love that one too and when i watched it this time i specifically was like oh god that's so great well there's that meme or that picture i saw a long time on the internet it's like every race's dream girlfriend it's like white guys like asian girls black guys like asian girls uh you know indian guys like asian girls asian guys like hentai and it's just like oh (laughs) that's really funny what's interesting about this movie that it came out in 2006 it kind of was like the cresting wave of explosion of like 
the imported Japanese culture that we had in like 2003. Like you think about Kill Bill, Lost in Translation, that Tom Cruise ah. movie you guys just did on Tom Last Cruise Samurai. podcast. Or even like Gwen Stefani doing her whole yes. thing. My, All of these yeah. things from 2003. This my shit, yeah. Movies like The Ring and The Grudge, which took Japanese stories and then remade them in the United States. Jack Ryan, Radio Jet Set, Radio Future, same, t- same time period too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many of those things cultural imports through the lenses of white people and what's interesting i think about this movie being directed by justin lynn is that it there's so much less kind of like fetishism and exoticism applied to this movie than that other stuff because it's not like refracted through the lens of white people ah that's very interesting yeah because i was like reading his wikipedia article and it said that he when he took this project the original the script had them like drifting around Buddhist temples and geishas and like all of this kind of like bullshit you know and he was like we're gonna need to make some changes I didn't know that that's really cool fact so now I'm excited that I can read the Wikipedia articles because I'm not so worried about spoiling the series for myself. Yeah, there's no there's no <laughs> more surprises. I mean, there are plot developments that I'd rather you like just sort of discover on your own. But like that, this is the big one. Like this is the big mm-hmm. thing where it's like the big question, the big conversation that Joe and I think have lap after lap is how much of this movie, what kind of backstory can we give Han? Like how can we build on this character and get him to this point or whatever? Because I think that this is such a remove from where they were headed in the franchise for obvious reasons. We wonder how much of this was, if anything, was planned out. And I think we could speculate, we could try to guess or whatever. And I think it's fun to look back and be like, like you said, he's got millions of dollars. He, you know, his, the love of his life just got killed. That's what I wanted to hear Kara's take on, that you see Han living this, like, playboy bachelor lifestyle, right? Yeah, is that his lair that we see? Yeah. What's going on there? What's, what's it's, happening? It's like a garage that also houses models that he's probably has like as a harem for himself, right? Okay. They all seem to be adults though. So they all are adults. Him. He makes it very clear <laughs> that he only flirts with adult women. But he right now is a time of mourning for him. Do you think he's mourning appropriately, inappropriately? He just lost Giselle and he goes to Japan mm-hmm. and he just like parties with models all day. Well, there's no such thing as mourning inappropriately. Okay. Everyone deals with grief differently. True. And so few of us have the tools to do it in a healthy way. We all do the best that we can. And I think that Han is just surviving right now he's kind of running away but at the same time he went to a place that the two of them had talked about Ah. going together and settle down and start a life together so I find it curious that he wound up there find it that really interesting that like it seems like he's running away but he ran away to the one place like he could have gone to any of those other places on that list of places that don't extradite people (laughs) that they mentioned in the other movie yeah and yet he comes to tokyo i find that interesting like he's definitely checked out from life his previous reality it just seems like he kind of is in that space of, of feeling like fuck it all and having nothing to lose because he just is like, whatever, trash my car. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that definitely puts that into perspective a lot. Like when you think like he's like, okay, he has millions of dollars. He just lost Giselle. He's now in Japan where they said they would go. When you're watching this, 
chronological order, it's like, why would this stranger just give, mm-hmm. you know, some like random kid his car that he knows is going to wreck it and stuff like that? And he gives you an explanation here, like he wanted to see the character of him. But in reality, like he gives no fucks. So the way that he puts that is so weird because it's like, you're not really learning anything about this kid's character. All that you're learning is that he is also a crazy motherfucker with nothing <laughs> to lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, he needed a bro. At the moment, he needs like a a down-ass bro that could just, like, ride or die with him for right now. Remember? Remember. Yeah, but not a girl that's, like, gonna, like, you know, replace Giselle. Break his heart. Break his heart, replace Giselle, kind of make him feel weird. He's like, I just need a bro to bro down with all these models here. Do some crazy shit. And do some crazy shit live on the edge for a little it's a dom move to replace your love of your life with another woman immediately that's not a han thing that's a dom thing yeah well so this is another really interesting thing i think about han's mental state going into this movie that i was thinking about which is that like how fucked up must it have been for him to see dom lose letty and then letty comes back from the fucking dead and (laughs) then giselle dies in like maybe a 48 hour time span yeah Like, what an absolute mindfuck to be dealing with. And and, then to see this thing that is impossible happen and then also go through losing the love of your life. I I can't, in a weekend, I can't imagine. That's, That's really heavy and something that I didn't think about from Han's perspective. That, like, how does Han, where's Han at emotionally seeing that this just happened? Like, I always watch it from, like, the outsider's view. So, like, I know it happens, but I never thought about, like, what that must have, like, felt like to Han, you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. now he has to be thinking, like, there's a chance that Giselle can come back. Right, but at the same time, he knows that there isn't. He saw you know, her like, die. He saw her die. Yeah. He saw her get sucked into... He got. She got engined. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she didn't get engined. She just fell off the back and, like, tumbled down the runway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, she could still be alive, but she's see a body. almost 100% not. But now that you've seen... And uh, spoilers... Kind of, although I, there's no there's no flashbacks. Like there's no more Han in this franchise, unfortunately. But now you can join our team in wanting the middle trilogy, just like three films in the middle, just Han and Giselle between five and six. Like where did they go? Let's see mm-hmm. how does she become a citizen of the world? Give us those movies. I want like fun rom coms with Han and Giselle. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, I would lose my mind. I would pay a billion dollars. <laughs> to see that <laughs> Wait, i Karen, truly would a billion dollars that you're not telling us about <laughs> oh i wish but yeah wouldn't that be so much fun to just get these like oh like God. fun like friend adventures together yes really silly and loose and like they're still having fun and like mm-hmm. they're so in love and like look at how goofy they are and like yeah i would love it that, joey and i have been pitching this for a while so if you're listening fast and the furious producers please give us the han and giselle saga like a nice number one trilogy. no knees denise number two han and giselle saga number three the two of those things together like, what if they knew <laughs> no knees denise which carrie you still like next episode we're gonna get your we're gonna pick your listen very intently to furious seven when we talk about when they talk about no knees denise it is one throwaway joke <laughs> That has become almost the thesis statement of this podcast. Everybody has theories on who she is. We have many theories that span so many things. Why Casting does she choices. have no knees? We don't know. Let's talk now about the fashion, because I want to make sure that we spend adequate time on the fashion, because the fashion this movie, as a movie so on its own, fun. incredible. Putting it then within the context of 2013, 
ludicrous, but let's not and not Chris Ludicrous Bridges, just the, the the adjective ludicrous. Kara, please just talk at us, to us, however you want to say. Tell us your fashion thoughts because this movie. What did you like? What did you not like in terms of fashion? Mm-hmm. I think I think wonderful, but maybe maybe you disagree. I don't know. No, I think it's great. You know, I think there's actually some some rare opportunities where the men's fashion shines in this. Like there yeah. is this black leather jacket with a white stripe on it that I swear I know at least seven dudes with that same jacket who today or jacket. like then. No, but in like tw- 2006 for sure. Like a high collar black motorcycle jacket with a white yeah, stripe motorcycle jackets were big yeah also bow wow in that, that pastel green plaid like wrinkled oversized rock aware button down like oh. half buttoned over a white crew neck switch sweatshirt love that look yeah <laughs> for this one for me the thing that gets me and and still does is that the japanese hairstyles are so cool mm-hmm. and when you're so to- good and when you go to the high school, it's a really awesome individuality type thing that these mm-hmm. kids are all wearing the same uniform, but they do everything they can to be individualistic because they still are teenagers, right? So like you still right. want to kind of like show your own way. The hairdos, the blonde one, the suspenders with stars on them, and like all of this cool shit is just hyper fascinating to me. Yeah, and I mean Japan, as they point out in the movie, is is or Tokyo in particular is one of the fashion capitals of Japan. So this movie has a lot of fun with that, I think. I think it could have had more fun, but, you know, I'm sure the budget wasn't super-duper high, or at least not for the clothes. I don't think that there was much, but... Joey, do you know the numbers for the budget for this one? 85 Okay, so first movie, $38 million budget. Second movie, $76 million budget, so doubled it. Okay. Didn't make as much money, but doubled it, the budget. Yeah. This one and the next one both have $85 million budgets. How much? I wonder how much they actually shot in Japan. Seems like up. a lot. Yeah, I feel like it would have been expensive. Like, a lot of the budget would have went to, like, movie-ing permits and street stuff yeah at least a lot of like the b-roll around the the city i think it are like a lot of stolen shots justin lynn definitely saw lost in translation and uh, a lot of the the shots of the city in that movie are also kind of stolen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they just like shot out of the the window of a car the thing that uh stands out to me in this movie fashion wise are the boots that are very 2006 okay it's like a specific kind of combination of like a pointy toe suede usually like knee high or above the knee boot that was like very popular at that time and they are all over this movie yeah like the girl that um like the girls when you first go into the garage type situation Mm -hmm. yeah every single one of them has on like a knee high or over the knee boot of this exact style that i'm talking about yeah, and plaid, I think, kind of gives it away, too, right? Like, this is, like, yeah. the plaid era. Well, so there's a lot of, uh, like, mini kilts. Yes. Like, That's and and, and that, I think, is definitely, like, a big nod to the Japanese schoolgirl kind of, like, fashion archetype. But you definitely see that. And also, something that I love about Japanese like streetwear is that a lot of times they're they're taking like Americana and then like refracting it through this kind of Japanese lens Um, and you see that definitely like the the uh, girls in the car party when they're doing that first (laughs) race and the guy is like gets up there and he's doing the like we're gonna do a race and he like points to the two ladies that do the ready set thing and they're both dressed as cowgirls Ah, but like okay that's okay wacky that guy is still my favorite race starter just because like he does not look like he gives a fuck he's just super cool 
I know. <laughs> just like, you know, one says ready, one says set to, and he just goes, go. And just, they just, it just, I love it. I love him. Also, he's like, I think the only guy race starter we get in the franchise. Oh, interesting. Because Neela does it later, and I was like, oh, yeah, girl's doing it. Good for her. <laughs> But like every other time we get it, it's it's like we've had Rita Ora recently. Mm. We had mm-hmm. yeah. Like, we have the in, in the beginning of this movie. There's the girl who takes off her bra, the high schooler yes. who takes off her bra. Yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff. You know who else was familiar from the beginning of this movie was the blonde girl who was like race for me. I'm the prize. How uh, she? <laughs> who is which, she? What the fuck? She was on the OC. She played a uh, unsavory character Ooh. on that show. I can't believe Rachel never pointed it out to me before. At least that I remember. It was a she was a minor character. Um, how do you feel about the beginning of the movie? Just with the the race for me. I thought you loved me. I'm the <laughs> yeah, prize. What the fuck? <laughs> Did you ever make boyfriends race for you in high school? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, god two, no two men didn't vie for your love via driving recklessly no damn no i guess you never lived i guess they never loved me if someone made a deal on your behalf for their love how would that make you feel because she like volunteers herself to be the prize it's not mm-hmm. like he's like We're, we'll race for her mm-hmm. she's like no race for me and he's like yeah, yeah. that's cool like this uh... relationship can't exist after this no matter what happens <laughs> yeah basically so uh, no thanks that's a, a big no thanks from me yeah, although that's i a do wonder flag. the impression we get from the cops like they're rich they're above the law whatever mm-hmm. i can also just sort of see like oh that was fun like just like you know messing with that other kid like i can sort of yeah. see it like there's there's definitely yeah, like, cool intentions rich kids yeah oh okay like they're so rich and like so like flagrant with their sexuality at this point that it doesn't even matter i don't know they're just enacting some like strange cruel intentions it's like a relationship theater yeah you know teenagers do that they're just do they not that specific thing (laughs) but i think rich kids with like nothing better to do yeah can do some weird stuff the beginning of the movie is really interesting to me even just like the opening credit sequence and it's just like music and kind of slow motion you see him navigating this new high school that he's in and it's like he has to go through a metal detector Mm -hmm. and you know like the kids are not all right and yada 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 and it it, again like very much kind of to me not just an artifact of the time that this came out but also like very much a comment on american society because you see like the football players reenacting historical violence on an effigy of an american indian and you know like and there's just like all of these things back to back to back to back that create this like really interesting opening tapestry that i appreciated i would have to imagine from what we've seen in the other movies like if justin lynn was like really flexing his muscles here putting these little tidbits in knowing people would pick them up right like specifically choosing yeah, well, to they're use a like native american kind of effigy. trojan horsing like some some pretty subversive message messaging about united states and about capitalism and right? all sorts yeah. of stuff into like all of these movies really yeah that's which i find really, really interesting. interesting that's a really interesting take yeah, i think it works like it functions really well like not only did were we able to cover this for the three different podcasts but i think it functions really well as a high school movie mm-hmm. which i think the best episodes of brian's podcast are it's a movie that's both 
very similar to a lot of the movies that he's talked about, but also like wildly different in its own take on it. Because yeah. this is not the kind of like I think he's he's covered a handful of movies where like kids change high schools. I think, or I know that there's you know, at least a bunch of those kind of. But I feel like yeah, this is a such trope. a wild transformation, that right? Fish like, out of water thing. Yeah. Let's talk. Actually, I have a tab open here. So filming locations, they had a bunch. There is a Takashita Don Harajuku in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. There's Shibuya Crossing in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Just Tokyo in general. Kabuchiko in Shinjuku in Tokyo. And then a bunch of places in California, I guess, early on, and then two sound stages at Universal. So I'm assuming everything outside, they probably shot there for maybe a couple of weeks, but I think that everything they probably could have filmed in LA, like inside, like probably I would guess, like San garages and Khan's garage like... is probably in LA. Like it's probably a sound studio in LA or whatever. Yeah, that would make sense. That's what I was guessing too. A bit of a bummer, but also, you know, it, it just makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the music, Kara. I think you made mention of the music maybe, but it's, it's wall to wall songs that are both specifically dated to 2006 but also mm-hmm. in a weird way kind of timeless like the the one song that i think that stands i mean there's the teriyaki boys tokyo drift <laughs> song which what a banger this whole Truly, soundtrack is so, so fucking good like yeah. it, i highly recommend you go get the soundtrack or find it like this is the one that i remember having the soundtrack to and like listening to the songs like this is so fucking good the opening song the dj shadow song as they're getting into school like oh. that's the one i think we mentioned every time we talk about this movie it's just it's so good it's so good did you have a particular song a particular cue you know when they're maybe in in the garage they going from party scene to party scene was there a song in here that stood out to you among the rest? Oh, I love a Dipset. Mm. You love Dipset? Were you a big Dipset fan back in the day? Or you just that like that That song is great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that song is good. We were huge Dipset fans. That's why I was asking. Like, I was just like a big mm-hmm. fan. I think Dipset is one of my favorite rap groups of all time. And I still love oh, wow. Cameron and like all those guys. Like Ba with the Ba playing while they do the race. Yeah, the, the Kid the Rock. Yeah. Could not be more perfect. Really, Chef's Kiss moment. <sighs> There's uh, P.O. D that one song in there somewhere that I thought was a good use of it. I don't remember this one. Kids are fucked up kind of song. Okay. I don't remember. But yeah, no, there was just like a lot of And it like, was all over very, the place. Yeah. It was widespread. Good. All probably music I would have hated at the time and now I'm like, oh no, actually that was all very good. What were what were your musical choices in two thousand six? Oh, two thousand six. Oh, we're getting very oh. now and again here. I've lived so many lives in this lifetime. Like even I high school. Out, like, like just where yourself- was I in two thousand six? In two thousand six I was living in Philadelphia and I was in art school. So obviously this was probably a little too mainstream for my tastes at that oh, time. For sure. I have no idea what I was listening to in 2006. Interpol, maybe? Was it Turn on the Bright Lights? That album? Yeah. That album's great. It is great. That's the only thing I can think of right now, though. Okay. Nothing that would have been on this soundtrack. No. Indie hip-hop and, like, okay. you know, but mostly, like, indie rock. Yeah. Art school kid music. Makes sense. Oh, yeah, I, I did write down classic 2013 banger Ba with the Ba. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very specifically, you know... I mean, it's song. not even a 2006 banger. No. It's like a 1998 banger. Very important question. So this is maybe the, the fiercest debate about a movie. Because we've had dumb debates that have, like, spanned food, how to pronounce oh, words, yes, so on and so ahead, forth. Yeah. But there is a fierce debate in this movie that Joe and I are very unclear who's right. I, I, this time around, I am more inclined to sort of agree with you, Joe, but I also think it's because of a lifetime of just being like, God damn it, that he sort of, he just messed up. But, okay, Sean shows up in Japan. Yes. Knocks on his dad's door. Dad looks startled. Says, I thought you were going to be here on the 7th. <laughs> Sean says, it is the 7th. 
His dad says, hold on, closes the door, lets out presumably a hooker, welcomes Sean in. He says something to the effect of like, you know, your mom always getting the dates wrong or whatever. Like he's, he, he offers an excuse to that. Yeah, like, well, your mom, you know, I told her it was the 7th, but we're a day ahead here, Sean. We have a debate here on like who was wrong in the timing, why would the dad not know when his son was I feel like you're, you're, you're leading the witness. You're leading the witness. No, here. no, I understand exactly what you're asking about because it's like, okay, well, if he got the date wrong, wouldn't he be like, where were you? I thought you were supposed to be here date? on the 7th. Yes. And then he says, today is the 7th. Or it would have been, it would have had to been the other way around, like him coming from a time zone where he's even further in the future, you know, and getting there, Mm -hmm. like what is early in the destination area. I think you're firmly linked to my brain here. Both times I watched the movie, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Sean, I was, I was going to be there, but your mom, she said the seventh scene, we're a day ahead of you in Japan. Well, you're here now, so that's good. Right. So he should have been there yesterday. (laughs) But thank I think, you. so my argument is that, no, 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 don't say thank you. My argument is that he was there yesterday. Sean never shows up. So he goes on living his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's entirely possible. But the thing is, is like, he would have then said, where were you? I was there and you weren't. Instead of being like, what are you doing here? That's true, too. And I said, what kind of father would have been like, my son didn't show up yesterday. His mom said the 7th. It could have been confusing. I know he's coming from a time zone that can be confusing. And tonight I get a hooker. I don't want a victim blame. Not that the mom's a victim here. But I feel like this time around, I'm more inclined to agree with you. But I also think that, like... This feels to me the way that he tries to explain himself. Either he's a chronic fuck up, but he's a military man. So I don't think he is. That's what I'm saying. And that was another part of my argument that we brought up. Sean's father is a military man. So if anybody respects timing, it is him, (laughs) right? Like they use the universe, like, you know, military time. He would have gotten the timing down. His mother, no matter how long they were in a relationship together, would know that about him. And he Mm -hmm. would know that about her as well. If she was bad Mm -hmm. with time, this would have been a point Mm -hmm. of contention long before Sean was even born, I'm sure. There's no way that he could have confused it he would have gotten a hooker the night that his son could have showed up. I think it's possible to be both a military man and a fuck-up. Oh, I'm sure. But I also think... Yeah. It feels like he's a career military man. I feel like that's yeah. the kind of, like, you don't just turn that off. No, but I think, you know, he's a lonely guy. He maybe has, like, a bit of a drinking problem. Yep, that's you fine. Know. It's, like, mostly under control, but not entirely. They kind of hint at that. There's, like, a lot of times that he's, like, drinking and Sean's kind of, like, yeah. disappointed in it. It's the reverse disappointed dad that we saw in the first movie, right? It's the disappointed yeah. son. But I do think that, like, <laughs> my defense of, like, this is the dad, not the dad's entirely fault like i think it's partly maybe his fault but i think number one i think it's just a lifetime of the mom because the mom like is so at the police station she's like basically laying it on laying it on thick like i'm gonna flirt with this cop blah 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 blah. like i think it's a lifetime of that like her blaming it on sean too like her just exhausted by sean's fuck-ups that she's then sort of messing things up too and i feel like she was said he was supposed to be there and she just got everything wrong and so he's gonna go on living his life because he didn't show up and whatever maybe he tried to call i don't know yeah i'm more inclined to think that the dad aired aired here what if everyone's wrong what if it's everyone's fault 
It could. Be I mean, I think I think that's, that's the ultimate. Like, it, it is everyone's fault. I I think that Sean's dad would have called Sean's mom at least to check in. Isn't he mm-hmm. supposed to be here tonight? There's just like a lot of things. Especially like this is a kid who has disciplinary problems. Yes. Like he's being he's sent getting here. sent to Japan for a reason. Yeah, and that reason is like the other option was juvie. So yeah, you would think that they there would be more of a chain of custody situation. One of my th- things that I didn't get to bring up this time, but one of my favorite lines in this movie is when Sean comes back late he runs into his dad and his dad was like sitting there with beers you know and the lights are still Mm -hmm. on and he looks at Sean like coming through the door and he's like Sean have you been racing? I feel like the only reply to that is like, I learned it from you, Dad. I learned <laughs> yeah, it from what, watching you. That's what I'm saying. Them to just be like, okay, like let's have this kid have a drug problem, but the drug problem is racing. And like, He's even like, yeah. I want you to stay away from cars. It's like, oh, okay. So I really like that they just took like the whole like high school teenage trope thing going on. That's normally like you know like oh you got caught drinking, you got caught smoking, you got caught mm-hmm. partying. And it's just like, no, you got caught racing. And they just, like, they cut the line so that they didn't even, they just, like, uh, control F, booze, just replaced with car, control F, you know? <laughs> and that's that's my favorite part of it. I just like the way he delivers it, too. He's like, Sean, have you been racing? There is something that I noticed in this movie that I think because of the order that we watched it in stood out extra much to me. Neela says something like, boys, all they care about is who's got the biggest engine. Mm-hmm. And I think Sean says, I'm a guy, it's in my DNA. And I just thought about why does he keep saying that? I'm a guy. Like, instead of, he's a man. It's just, I'm a guy. I just was thinking about Roman talking about Giselle, talking about, like, but it feels like the same kind of thing. It's just like the gender dynamics, right? Like, oh, he's a man. Oh, I'm a guy. Like, I just made a connection there that I'd never made before, I think, because we watched Six and Three. The gender binary was still very big in 2006. It definitely was. But you're right. And and now that you said that, Joey, maybe we should do, like, like a shuffle lap at one point where we just, like, watch them just to make these interconnections that we've started making coming from Six to Three. I'm sure that there's a lot more of these, but I don't know which is, like, the right way or which is the right thing to do. So it'd be interesting to just, like, let the universe give them to us. We should let, yeah, we should let the listeners decide what order that we should watch them in. Oh, I really like that. Like, we could just do, like, a poll or something and be like, just pick the next one for us. Yeah, that'd be cool. We, we could even put it on Facebook because we've got so many people on Facebook who like us who, like, do not listen to the podcast, will not know what they're voting on, but, like, <laughs> pick one of these movies. I like that. I like. I just want to, like, leave it to chance somehow. Like, I would even do random number generator. Pick me a number. And, like, that's the one that we fucking do. I want to forever memorialize this movie as the movie that describes the Mona Lisa as that really famous painting of the woman smiling. <laughs> Yeah. We all know what you're talking about, but it's also still like, that's an interesting way to describe the Mona Lisa. How would you ever describe it and like expect someone to know the name of it, but you don't know the name of it? Carrie, you're more in the art world, I think, than either of us. Mm-hmm. Like, if people know the name of one painting, it's the Mona Lisa, right? Like, I, I don't know that there's a more Generally famous speaking, painting than that yes, one. yes, that's correct. And like, you'd have to like really fucking know. But like, how would you be able to just see the painting in your head and be like, like, and not have the reaction like, oh, fuck, like, what's the name of that painting? Or the lady's always smiling. The way he delivers it, he delivers it like he knows the answer to it. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe he does, and it's just, like, not in his brain at that moment. I have those moments all the time. But, I mean, you would be, like, more, like, oh, I can't remember this, not, like, you know that painting? 
the, the lady smiling yeah. all the time in. I say things like that all the time. <laughs> just very confident with your with your lack of remembering. Yeah, I mean, I just, I have to. It happens to me constantly, so I can't make a big deal about it. Otherwise, it'll, my entire day will be devoted to the fact that I can't remember the words for anything. Makes sense. Okay. So now, one thing that we have talked about, we've made a lot of comparisons between this franchise and the Marvel franchise, right? Mm-hmm. And comparing what, which is more disastrous, saying how Fast and Furious 10 is likely going to be the equivalent of Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Sort of the oh, are they all going to die? Who knows? They're going to take on know. Thanos. I had another sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe moment in this movie because I think, you know, at the end of this movie, they're racing through Shibuya Crossing yes. and Han gets killed. Yes. If we are to believe that Jason Statham as Deckard Shaw comes in and kills Han there, we're to believe that in the middle of another action sequence... He's going through time. There's so many other opportunities where he would have the ability to kill Han more easily, right? But he's going to, in the middle of an action scene, probably the most difficult point in this entire movie to kill Han. Or find Han. Right? Pinpoint where he is. Exactly. That is crazy. But then I was thinking, if we are to believe that that's the case, because that is how it's been retrofitted to be the case, Mm -hmm. it reminds me sort of of Civil War, where like we're just having a race, then all of a sudden in the middle of the race, or the chase, or whatever, Black Panther shows up. It's like, wait, wait, who's this guy? And I feel like this is the Black Panther moment. It's like, oh, Mm. there's something else going on here. There's a bigger force at play. Like, I know that Black Panther is chasing after Bucky Barnes because he helped kill his dad. Like, you know, the whole, oh boy. Don't want to get into that whole thing right now. That's the best comparison I can make that, like, I still don't think that, like, when they had this, they had any idea that it was going to be anything other than, like, just, like, a cruel accident, a cruel accident of fate that Han was killed, like, brutally in a car accident just because they were going 200 kilometers per hour through, like, a crowded Tokyo street. If we are to believe that this is actually what happened and that Deckard Shaw did this all the way back in three, I can sort of forgive it because it's kind of the Black Panther and Civil War moment. Questions, thoughts, the floor is open for questions. I haven't seen any of those movies. I love it. No, I agree with you. You have to like think about these things in the sense that it's the perfect comparison. The perfect analogy for it. I agree with you. But it's crazy to think that would be the time where Deckard... Because like, I know that Deckard is angry about what Dom and family does to Owen at the end of 6, right? But like... That can't be the most convenient or the easiest or the best time to do this. Yeah. It's just the way to retrofit it so that it has more meaning and has more weight, and it gives Deckard more of a backstory than, like, just, oh, he's just a crazy villain. It kind of, like, has to play that way. I agree with you. It's, it's It really doesn't make sense. Like, if you're like if you're a master assassin, you would have gotten him, like, in his garage, right? Because, like, that's where he's going to be. Or even, like, just leaving it, whatever, whatever. Like, not, like, in the middle of running from DK that you would T-bone him to. Like, you could have, like... Yeah, there's so many uncontrolled factors. Yeah. I think what they did is, like, what is the most reprehensible... What's the thing that he could have done that gives us the most... Like, I wonder if it was just, like, how do we introduce the character... Or if they were like, what could we do to make people hate him even more? And it's like, well, people love Han, and Han was killed. What if we could do something with that? You know, like I wonder. I really mm-hmm. wonder the, the the mindset, the thought process behind how that came to be. Like, at what point in the writing of all these movies was that the case? You know what I mean? I think it has to give us closure on Han, right? Because like, if they they would have to know at the end of that one that he wasn't coming back. And, like, that gives us the closure for Han at the same time as introducing Statham. And it was a convenient way Mm. to do both at the same time. For them to give us that scene again and be like, this is the end of Han now, then that's how it plays in both ways. 
And I think that that's the only way you can retrofit it to do both at the same time. Maybe. I wonder how much of it is, like Kara brought up before, if any of it is the Justin Lin connection, because Justin Lin does not direct 7 or 8, or Hobbs. He comes back. He's coming back for nine and ten, but mm-hmm. seven was directed by James Wan. And I wonder if, like, if Justin Lin had stuck around, if he would have come back, or if he mm. would have been written in or something. Like, not that the director necessarily has control over the script, because it feels like, for the most part, Chris Morgan and sort of maybe like a a cabal of people like their brainchild. A director that's raked in that much money with this franchise, I think he definitely has a lot more power than your average director. Oh, of course. Sure, sure, sure. This is the most interesting thing, the most interesting moment in the franchise. And I'm not trying to like build up like the way that we were going to do this lap or whatever, but I think this is kind of the moment, like there was a throwaway line last movie, right? Where he said like, you know, Shaw is working or Braga is working for Shaw or whatever, right? Where it's like, oh, this is bigger. But this is like such a change in the narrative and a change in the history of the franchise. I just need to know. I want to know. I think everybody wants to know like how it all kind of came to be. Like what was the order? What was the domino effect of yeah. going from, like, sort of separate things to, like, a, a, a narrative that everything kind of connects. I don't know, man. I don't know if we'll ever get the answer. We have to interview Justin Lin, figure it out. My, I guess my big question, though, what I wonder about when we're going to have Justice for Han addressed is whether, if we're going to get any more kind of illumination to the timeline of things, or if we're just going to, like, focus on the repercussions of, 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 of Shaw's actions. Like, I don't know if we're going to get necessarily more backstory, more story at all, but I wonder if when that is addressed, if we will have any kind of, you know, either interviews outside of the movie or if in the movie we'll have any kind of more explanation or maybe like a Han flashback scene or whatever. Like, I feel like there's the possibility that we could get answers either in movie or outside of the movie. I don't know, though. Yeah, I would like them to, like, kind of, like, retrofit some stuff in, do some Han flashbacks and kind of bring him back that way. So we get, like, another mm-hmm. Han cameo as opposed to just being like, this is what Shaw was doing. But you're right, with Justin Lin coming back and their boys, there's a good chance that he could come back and kind of fill in these pieces. And again, that would feed the fans what we want, which is more Han. Absolutely. Kara, do you have any other thoughts about Tokyo Drift before we play a couple games? There's an MC Hammer billboard I saw when he gets to Tokyo. Oh, I totally missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's on like an escalator. He's just coming up and MC Hammer is in the background. Wow. No, I didn't see that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Han says in, they have an interesting conversation about like racing, and he says like if I were to race, it would have to be for something important, or else why do it at all? Yep. And I found that interesting, like a million dollars when they race in the last one or in five, right? Yeah, but I'm also wondering if like his sense of like danger has changed after like the previous few movies and like all of the harm that he's seen done. And I think that I think the question, the interesting part about that is whether what the character development, like his sort of, because I think what makes him cool in this movie, if you watch them in the order they came out, is that he's like this mysterious character with mm-hmm. this like tragic backstory, yes. seemingly tragic backstory that we don't know about, right? They're able to write to that and fill in the gaps, which I think makes him a more interesting, complete well-rounded character than most, if not all the other characters in the franchise. But I wonder, like this episode, Joe, I think is breaking my brain kind of in a way that Kate Hudson did when she talked about Furious 7. Just because the order and now the the link that we have. Yeah, thinking about things in a different way, right? It's just like, I don't, it's just, it's, it's opening my mind to new, new realities, new, Mm -hmm. like just, it's making me even more curious about how they took what was, what existed and wrote to it and then incorporated it later. The mystery part is really cool. Writing to a mysterious character, you could fill in a lot, right? I think that he's a lot more open than if he had a very rigid story in Tokyo Drift 
and that's part of the coolness of it too and but what mm-hmm. makes it easier as like a writer like i would like if you're like oh this character was super mysterious we don't know anything about his past and like people want him to come back and you're like well fuck it i can write anything now and i also wonder how much of what they wrote was because they had this sort of window into like this character that people love you know what i mean like oh we can go really far with this character because we already know that he dies so like we can make his his life even more poignant yep. and meaningful and even more full of happiness and sadness and sorrow and grief and whatever because we have an endpoint. And I feel like in a lot of ongoing narratives, both on TV and movies, it's hard to really keep characters new or fresh or unique because you kind of, like we talked about with like fate, right? Like we, I kind of wished that like a character like Roman or someone died because these movies yeah. don't feel like they have weight anymore because the characters, like the actors don't want to not get a check for five, 10, 20 million dollars, right? They want to <laughs> stay in these movies forever. And so when you can't kill people off, it's not as interesting. And I feel like having an actual set end point for the character gave them the ability to get creative and get meaningful and deep with it in a way that they can't really with any other character just because like you can't kill Dom off unless it's the last movie, right? Yep, exactly. We've gotten to see so many sides of Han for that reason. Like we've seen Han the driver, we've seen Han the lover, we've seen Han the fighter, you know, and then in this movie we see Han the teacher and see Han like the lost boy. The sensei. My one other Han related note is that he flirts with a woman by doing donuts around her car. Yes. Yes. Not exchanging a single word. Yep. And she just gives him her phone number. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Absolutely, I would melt. And and by absolutely, I mean absolutely not. But wow, what a great scene! I think that scene's pretty perfect, and I agree. Like Sean is asking him, like, "Well, what do you drift for?" And Han's like, "Women, duh!" Like he just answers <laughs> it like right there with no words. It's perfect. Yeah, show don't tell, man. It's like it's the greatest Han moment in a in a franchise full of great Han moments. Kara, any other thoughts? Any other notes about Tokyo Drift? Nah, I think that's it. Oh, first generation iPod Mini. They fight over one. Yes. A broken one. From 2013, though, don't forget. Did that coincide with your time at the Genius Bar, or was that, did that predate you? I was in between 2006 and 2013. I was there 2008 to 2012. Okay. Oh, nice. Cool. We have two games to play. First okay. up, this ain't no 10-second race, a.k.a. boy, do we have a podcast That's for, for you. you. Let us look last time. So I'm going to review these right now. So on Fast and Furious 6... I sent two, and I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to propose an amendment of sorts to this game. Okay. What? Okay. What? And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So what happened last time is I found such a great tweet that we all died laughing at, and I liked it. I retweeted it, and I replied to it. And I feel like because I did all that extra momentum, the guy, and I'm I'm going to spoil what's going to happen next. The guy liked the tweet because I feel like he yes. had so many notifications from us in a row. I think what we should do is for each of these tweets that we find, we should like them and retweet them and reply to them because, number one, we we approve them all, right? Number two, why not? And number three, it gives them even more ability to find our podcast. I feel like a bot is not going to, is not as likely going to send our weird nonsense reply, but also like and retweet it. So I feel like because it worked this one time, because I've had such a long string of bad luck and this one time it worked, I feel like we should every time now like retweet when we reply. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I I, I, can't I was think thinking of it downside. when it happened. I was thinking it last time it happened. I'm firmly with you. That sounds perfect. Okay. So this was my uh, bonus one. Tyson Jomini at Tyson underscore Jomini, just like Fast and Furious, 
The real show at Ford v. Ferrari is in the parking lot outside the theater. Right, guys? Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Okay. Okay. Kara, you found Tay at Tay Christian on Twitter. Nobody says nothing. Letty, when she first sees Dom in Fast and Furious 6, I'm sorry to that man. I'm sorry to this man. That that video from Vanity Fair. Boy, do we have a podcast, have a podcast for you, for you. Palmer. Nothing. Mm, nothing? Nothing. That sucks. <sighs> Joe, you found Thick and Confused at the Jungian Thing on Twitter. It's a car party on my street right now. Boy, <laughs> do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Damn. Damn. I was close, though. I think I was close. And then I found Kenny Keel at Kenny Keel. Ford v. Ferrari is fast and furious for people with NPR totes. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. We got a like. So I'm only going to take... I told you this when, we, when it happened last time, Joe. I'm only going to take half a point. That makes sense. That's fair. I'll because t- I'll give you I half. feel like it was unfair that I gave myself a little bit extra momentum. Like, I still you got had, a point. You had an advantage. You were recording the Bengals sideline. So, Carrie, you just sent me a tweet. Can you please read the tweet that you found, who it's from, what it says? But before I do that, the, the previous tweet that I had sent you the other day was not for this game. It was just uh, someone Chunky who tweeted. Oh, well, that one too. That okay. that's an unrelated fashion belt related tweet. That we, this is an ongoing thing. Joey keeps asking me about chunky belts. This is unrelated to that. Somebody tweeted, "I am and forever will be obsessed by the time Adrian Brody bought a castle for Elsa Pataki, who is the Brazilian lady." Elena. And then they did a thirty-five page spread exclusive for Hello Magazine about it, and then she dumped him for Chris Hemsworth. And these photographs Ouch. are truly bonkers. Ouch! Oh my God! I didn't who know that the she castle now. Does she own it or does he own it? I don't know. She got half, hopefully. One of these pictures, he's in like a top hat and tuxedo with tails. She's in an evening gown. And he's on, they're on a... Tractor. A backhoe. It's a backhoe. A backhoe. They're on a backhoe. He's like hanging off of it. The front dump truck part. That's not the right word. Yeah, but and it has a like elevated on it, too. Yeah, and she's, like, standing up on it, and it's in front of their castle. It's crazy. Yeah, these, these pictures are just nuts. Every yeah. time I remember, every time I'm reminded that, that Elena, that Elsa Pataki is married to Chris Hemsworth, my mind breaks a little bit. This adds a whole new wrinkle, a whole yeah, new angle, Yeah, I had no idea about any of this, yeah. Please, Kara, read who you found, and please do not leave out his Twitter name. Because yeah. boy, oh boy, what a name. Uh, display name Jizzy Jake. Jizzy Jake. At just underscore Seeks, C-E-E-K-S. Uh, we deserve a sequel to Tokyo Drift. So many unanswered questions. Is Sean still Drift King? I want to know. Is he still in school? Is Neela still Reg? 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 I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what they're asking there, but and then he says, "All we know is that Bow Wow is still getting bullied." Boy, do we do have we. a podcast for, for you. you? Bow Wow's definitely still getting bullied. I don't know what is Neela still reg mean. The kids these days and their lingo. Mine is just Miss at Muvanen. M-U-V-A-N-E-N. Attention, Han, from Fast and Furious. If you ever come across this tweet, just know that I still have a crush on you <laughs> after all these years. Don't let this cat, Abby, fool you. I am very cute. Boy, do, do we, we have, have a, podcast a podcast for you. you. I think there's a good chance that she replies to. I am going to do this one. I don't know that this is necessarily going to work, but again, I am very bad at this game. It's from Irish Girl. 
uh, shamrock emoji, Ireland flag emoji, at I love Gary Barlow underscore. Paul Walker was amazing as Brian O'Connor in the Fast and Furious movies, but he had so many other great movies that are so underrated that he should also be remembered for. Some of my faves are oh my ours, God. Pleasantville, Eight Below, Brick Mansions, Bobby Z, shout out Wells, and Into oh. the Blue, hashtag Paul Walker. Boy! Do we have, Do we have a podcast? Guess for you. Yeah, if she loves Into the Blue and Brick Mansions. I forgot he's in Pleasantville. I don't think I realized that it's him who plays like the jerky jock guy. Oh. I do actually want to point out now, this is not necessarily about Paul Walker, but it reminds me that this week, as we put out Into the Blue this past week, yeah. you and Jordan over on Wistful Thinking mm, put out mm-hmm. basically the sister movie to Into the Blue. Yeah, same director. Same director, same general vibe. You started Beach Month with, drumroll please, Blue Crush. Blue Crush. Michelle Rodriguez, Blue Crush. Oh. Yeah, and also Michelle Rodriguez is in it. She's great. She makes surfboards. Oh, I like that. She did all her own jet ski stunts. Damn. Very Brian yeah. O'Connor of her. Very Paul Walker of her. Paul Walker does some jet ski yeah. stunts in uh, Into the Blue. T- not really stunts, but he rides a jet ski in that. Yeah, so. he does some dope oh, tricks. Nice. Jet ski tricks. All right. Good round. Good, I think you we know, have some promising likes, tweets Likes, retweets, and replies. We'll see what happens. I now, like the retweets and replies thing. I think that's going to be a fun addition to it. And we keep them that'll be cool so i think the important thing now is that everything's full points again like yes. the fact that i the only yes, reason i took a half fair. point is because it was an unfair advantage now anything goes okay i'm with you all right Kara, you've got four more episodes including this one four more opportunities to play dude what's my car do you want to give or do you want to guess i'll give clues i don't like the way you phrase that <laughs> give or guess you know i'm not trying give to make or it guess sexual. i don't know it just, just give sounds weird but th- that's what i'll do Anyway, okay. let's continue. Wes says, subject line, one for Dude, What's My Car? I don't know if you've already recorded early because of the holidays or not, but here's one for Dude, What's My Car? He signs, okay. the, he signs the email, Happy Thanksgiving. So this is the holiday he's talking about. Yes. Every year on the night before Thanksgiving, while Mrs. Wes is baking, I don't know she baked, we watch <laughs> the two best Thanksgiving movies ever made. What are the two best Thanksgiving movies ever made? So this is going to be the first hint. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dutch. Okay. I don't know Dutch. Do you know Dutch? I've never seen either of them, no. Honestly, Dutch is my favorite of the two, so while we were watching it, I decided to look up a car from the movie. If you've never seen it, Wes writes, basically, it's a road trip movie with Ethan Embry and Ed O'Neill, and at one point they're hitchhiking and get picked up by a couple of sex workers heading home for the holidays. Oh, okay. They're driving this beaut of a car, and if you're wondering what makes it this specific year, someone on the Internet Movie Car Database said there's a zebra-striped interior shown in the movie that was only produced in this model. Oh, interesting. Okay. Zebra-striped interior. So that is, I feel like, a hyper-specific clue. Yeah. What the fuck car had zebra-striped interior? Wes sent in three pictures. There are two that are just sort of better looks at the car, and then one from the movie. So in the movie, it looks like kind of like a, uh, maybe like a silver or a dark gray or like a cobalt, possibly. It's, no, cobalt's blue. Like yeah. a mm-hmm. charcoal-y. But the other okay. one is red. So does that help you? Or a tungsten? Yeah, it definitely helps a lot. There are dual engine... Oh, boy. I used to... Vents on the hood. Okay. <sighs> Remembering the thing. They are sort of long, thin, narrow strips that get a little bit wider at the top. It's sort of a split. Is the hood flat, or is it? does it have a, a couple uh, stripes in it type things? Like... Well, the, the grills are... The grills... Or the vents make it look like stripes. Is it all one level, or is it like... No, um... the, the middle two-thirds is a little bit elevated. Okay. And then the front part kind of drops off. Yeah. And has like recessed headlights. Yeah. It is a two-door car. Okay. I'll tell you that you were guessing a car from 1984. Okay. Um, in the back, 
this might give it away. Brake lights. But I guess the point of the point of the game was for me to get you to guess it. So this shouldn't give it yeah. away. Like it, give it away is not a bad thing. No, exactly. Just like the red hot chili peppers. Give it away. In the back, it looks like big red brake light. Brake light triangular in shape from the side. There's so much going on with these brake lights, Kara. I'm, I'm going to need help because I don't know if I'm able to get this right. Triangular brake lights from the side. Long red brake on the left. Orange brake light next to it, white reverse light next to it, then looks like either black, which is probably not a light, or just kind of like a cap, and there's a black line bisecting all the lights going across the middle. And it's all like flush. Yeah. It feels like, and this is again me knowing nothing about cars, it feels like that is the kind of brake light that might be specific to this this car but i don't know okay you know what it reminds me of kind of you know that like coconut candy that you get down the shore and it's like coconut. brown it's, pink white yeah you're talking about something different no i know and it's, it's like, like grandma it's candy. like it's like if you were like looking at that on the end okay I, that probably is not a helpful i don't know if i've ever seen coconut candy yeah you have you have it's grandma candy it's like in a dish somewhere i've definitely never eaten it i know that i'm learning all sorts of new things duplex cookies coconut candy yeah dude. it also reminds me of a lego of a lego because they're they like, stacked on top of each other but they're mm-hmm. in a row it's kind of like a lego yeah. laying on its side with like the, the yeah. bricks pointing out toward the back bricks pointing towards you if you were looking at the back yeah. So it's like four, like two on the top, two on the bottom type thing? Well, it's like four on the top, four on the bottom. It's the big, long red one on the left, and then orange, then white, then black. Oh, interesting. Okay. The front is kind of pointed. Uh, like Kara said, it has recessed lights in the front. Recessed, is it a Pontiac? Uh, no. Is it a Buick? Not, no. Dual headlights in the front on both sides. Okay. Split, dual white split lights in each section. Looks like there's a recessed fog light cubby hole sort of under each Is this some kind of Cadillac? Light. No. An American car, but like all of these things that you're describing with like all the wacky lights and stuff. Uh, is it a Ford? No. Yeah, I didn't think it was something simple. Like, it's a car uh, that's still made today. I think. Still made today. Sure. Is it a Chevy? Mm-hmm. Is it an Impala? I can give you a clue that's going to slam dunk it, but if you, uh, you can k- take another guess, but I mean, now you're just going to name Chevys. Yeah, go ahead. Give me a clue. What kind of car is Bumblebee? Um, I don't know. What kind of car is Bumblebee? A Chevy? Uh, Chevy... Wow, you are... This is... Shit, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Camaro. Yeah. Sorry, it was coming to me. Oh! Chevy Camaro. Yeah, the... Yeah, Okay. Really Look cool. specifically in the second picture that I sent with the brake lights. Like I, I think yes, that Tower's yeah. coconut candy is a pretty good description. I think the Lego is kind of a good description. Like I think all of it is just kind of like a, this is what it is. These all weird kind of taillight things were like a very 80s thing, right? Like a lot of these cars had these things. The stripes? Is there anything about this car? I guess this is a, maybe this is a good question to ask at the end of each game. Is there anything about this car that would have given it away more quickly, more easily, that we did not describe? Oh, um... Because it's kind of non Like, a lot of it's nondescript. I feel it's like we, non-descript, we focused if, on... If you would describe it like I would describe it, like, it's very boxy. See, like, the styling in the 80s was a lot like this. So, like, even, like, look up, like, an 84 Mustang. I bet it looks... It, it probably would be, like, a lot of similar description things. It's a boxy car with recessed headlights. Yeah, right? Like, it's they were all kind of built this way. So, no, I think you guys gave great clues. Like, a lot of the cars of this early 80s type thing were all kind of these shapes. So, I think you did the best that you could. We put forth a valiant effort. I am proud of us, Kara. We got there I am, yeah. Like, like I was saying, like, I, I was picturing... 
a Mustang when you were describing the lights. And if you look at, like, an 84 Mustang, the lights look kind of similar, right? But then you were saying, like, the front's, like, long and, like, all of these other things. And I was like, ah, I don't know, like, because this had, like, a kind of a stubby nose. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I think that the Mustang looks very similar. I think the, the brake lights are different on this car than they are on the Mustang, but it's not wildly different. But I think the rest of yeah. it is boxy. It's the same kind of, it almost has the same kind of, like, shape. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, like, a lot of people hated these... 80s cars, but they're coming back now. Like, everybody was like, no, I want the 70s ones and stuff. Blame Stranger Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true, true, definitely. Well, thank you, Wes, for sending that in. If you have a car picture to send in, you want us to guess, family at cageclub.me. We've got one more to do uh, that I think Justin... More in the somebody sent in. Now. Nick sent in? Nick Justin, sent in. I think Justin, Justin sent just in. sent in. I don't know. Justin I... sent in. A car that he bought. We'll be playing that uh, uh, next episode on Furious 7, which is in two weeks. Next week, we have a very special that we have not announced and will not announce. It's going to be a very special thing that Kara is part of. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting that you didn't announce it, and like I didn't even know what it was last episode, but now that I do know what it was, it's been happening... It is fucking glorious. Like I, I just want people to, to hear it. Like I think that if you Same. if you look it up, like you'll, you'll like it. it. I, I think of. you'll like it, but it won't be as special as what we're trying to do in theory. I agree. Yep, I'm with you, brother. And it was your idea to to, to special to, to make it more special. So I am uh, on board with this. Cool. Good. But Kara, thank you for joining us for Tokyo Drift. I am so glad that you like this movie because this is the probably the most divisive one in the franchise. Because I feel like I could see how that would happen. It's yeah. so unlike the rest of them, but it's also if you're able to sort of remove it from, hey, this movie doesn't have enough dominant, has no Brian, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. It's great. Yeah. I love that it has no Brian, except for that it has <laughs> a lot of Brian. Got a lot of other Brian. There's no more Han, but. We get a little bit more of this, Brian, so I hope you're ready, because Sean comes back for one scene in one movie. Spoiler, it's in Fury 7. So no, two, <laughs> things to keep an eye, two things to keep an eye out for. I mean, you'll, you'll see this, but mo- specifically, listen for No Knees to Knees, because we, we have so many questions about No Knees to Knees. True. You, you need, I, I need you to have a thought, an opinion, right. an idea, and also, who could play No Knees to Knees? You will see what we mean when we get to that movie. So you just started Beach Month on Wistful Thinking, did Blue Crush. Do you have another movie picked out? Do you want to announce a spoiler, exclusive on this show, what your next movie is going to be? Or do you not know that yet? Yeah, we're going to do Point Break. Ooh. Oh, which is Fast yeah. and the Furious. I know. I'm excited to rewatch it with that lens. Oh, I'm Very so cool. excited too. Cool. Yeah, we covered that over on Keanu Club. Actually, Keanu just today announced, as we're recording, that they announced the date for Matrix 4 to hit theaters. Ooh. It is the same oh, wow. date that John Wick Chapter 4 is hitting theaters. So one of those is certainly going to move, but we have two number four in a Keanu franchise tentatively to release in, like, May 2021. So that also might be the same, like, within a week of Fast and Furious 10. So May 2021, mark your calendars now. Big things are happening. True. Yeah, for sure. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com. It's not too late to get in on the action and pick something that we're going to watch and talk about next year. Mm -hmm. And to the four of you who have that perk Please let me know what you want to what you want us to watch so we can program the next lap or two. Come back next week for a very special bonus holiday edition of Too Fast Too Forever. Not bonus edition, but a holiday edition of Too Fast Too Forever. And then come back in two weeks for Furious 7 as we ride out the rest of this lap in chronological order and then make very hard-hitting decisions about what order to watch these movies in forever. from then on. I'm Joey Lewandowski. 
I'm Joe Two. And I am Kara Gallo Regan. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. <laughs>